When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 225 and it's brought to you by betonline.ag go to betonline.ag and use that code clns50 that's clns50 for a sweet uh bonus you get your uh, sign up for your first account and you uh make your first deposit uh we're recording episode 225 on april 25th 2021 and uh it's been a a uh, a busy week in Boston, everyone's land. But before we get to all that, I want to bring in my friend Heather Ingerson. She's been away for a couple of weeks, and I'm super stoked to have her back and talk about what's going on recently uh, surrounding this Boston Bruins organization. So, Heather, welcome back, and how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Glad to be back with you. So much crap has been going on, and we haven't really talked about it. So I'm really, really happy to be back uh, talking Bruins hockey with you. But things have been all right. I know you've been having a nice week uh, hanging out with your boys over there, Uh at your father's house with them. I love them. It's so cute with you, like the with the dogs. You just you're a dog person, and it's yes. always fun to see you so happy when you're around them. But yeah, things are all right. 
We both got our first vaccination. Things were good this weekend. Productive 48 hours, I think. You got the sticker. And uh, yep, so a couple weeks from, well, three weeks from what, today yep, when 15th, we're recording. May 15th. Yeah, and then we'll be all vaccinated. And then we're going to go out and have beers, man. I mean, I'll still wear my mask or whatever you have to do, but yep. leaving the house feeling well, a little more secure on that. We'll definitely do what we have to do uh, with the mask and situation and, and abide by the state, uh, the CDC, whatever rules we have to do. But I'm still looking forward to like getting out and doing some stuff. Uh, you know, I could have gone out and so on. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not totally against it, but I also wanted just just to, to get the vaccination, have a little bit of a, you know, comfort, a little bit yeah. of a comfort zone before I go out into mass public and rip it up. So um it doesn't tell it doesn't you know stop me from ripping it up at home either so uh but no it's going to be good to like we're getting the steps back to normalcy and it's so important for everybody to get back because uh, you know everybody is pretty much on edge at this point it's just like let's go let's fucking go you know but um no i've been good uh getting getting to me i know you didn't ask yet but (laughs) um no, it's, it's been fun. And I love the dogs. I'm a huge dog guy, especially Boston Terriers. They are absolutely my favorite. And it's, it's got a lot to do with Boston being in it, but they're great dogs. They're loyal and so on. And this is my, this is my vacation so far. It's just this, <laughs> it's these two just sleeping all the freaking time. So, and this is how I can't get any work done because <laughs> I got the laptop and everything on there. So, uh, but no, it's been good. For the record, I was going to ask you, but then you were saying May 15th and I didn't want to, you know what I mean? You talked the COVID and then you swung back around. So I don't want you to think I was being rude. I no, was no, 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 it's, it's uh, been a while since we talked. So, you know, me and the the whole anxiety freaking thing uh, when we do these shows. So I, I'm all out of whack, but uh, getting back into the, uh, the show, I do want to talk about show sponsor betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, golf, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in the action, and don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So we are back, loving it, love having my Heather back, and we're going to start going because we got a, a huge agenda wow. to uh, to tackle. So, and uh, by the way, thank you very much for doing uh, all of the agenda because of my uh, my uh, stay on vacation at my dad's house. So I uh, truly appreciate that. So why don't we? Uh, why don't you um, go right ahead and uh, and show us the uh, show us the way, Heather? Okay, well, I was thinking we just catch up a little bit. Uh, A lot has happened in the last two weeks, right? We haven't even talked about the Terry deadline, right? What what was it? What was it like for you when you found out that we actually won a trade deadline or really? How long has it been since you woke up on a trade deadline day and was like, oh, my God, meaningful change, meaningful change. Most of the time, uh, when around these times, uh, especially when Don Sweeney does anything, it was. And I'm not discrediting him as a general manager at all, but it's just more or less. You the next day is always like a, a kind of a shake my head moment. Like what just happened, 
um Ronaldo for a third round uh for a third rounder that's kind of stupid but you know we, we we could nitpick all we want about Don Sweeney's past but this one particularly was a home run because it addressed it addressed um several different avenues uh when, about this Boston Bruins organization that we've we've talked about many times on this program in this season and even last season uh maybe there was a lack of of grit that uh, was uh, in the playoffs and during the regular seasons in the past. That's that got addressed with Curtis Lazar, um, a left shot defenseman, um, and, and from Ottawa's Mike Riley. I think that's his name, mm-hmm. Mike Riley. Yeah, Mike yeah. Riley. Um, you know it, that was a great addition, and what an impact that guy has made to that that defensive core in, in game one. So, and then obviously the Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is just a class, a world-class player. He still is, even though people think that he's on the the decline and so on. Um, I, I think that what he did in Buffalo was totally off. I mean, he, I think he got paid. He definitely got paid and got what he wanted for that one year. But the thought of him going there to showcase off his skills and be that like number one free agent this coming off season to like jack the market price up was a failure in that in, in that side of the coin. Um, but when you want to add another winger to the Boston Bruins lineup, another impactful scorer, we got it. This is a home run right here, and I was actually really surprised about the the what we had to give up. I mean, I, I'm a huge and- Anders Bjork fan. I believe in his talent, but it's not there yet. It's still coming, I believe. It's just got to be more implemented. But um, at this point, the Boston Bruins organization, led by Don Sweeney, and maybe even coaching staff, um, got it all together and just said, you know, he's a high-priced commodity right now that could be flipped in a trade for somebody, and it worked out. So uh, happy about Taylor Hall coming to the organization and uh, and how much of an impact he made right there. And, ov- and obviously, he's got more points than he uh, did in 38 games with Buffalo in his uh, short stint with uh, with Boston. So, um, you know, this is, a, this is an A-plus for me because it addressed so many needs. Um, I still think that I still think that we're missing a couple of other pieces for that Stanley Cup run, but I will go back and double down and just let you know in the in the listeners and the YouTube YouTubers on here that what we're seeing now it probably exceeds my expectations altogether. So um, I went. I definitely went to bed on the eleventh. Uh, mad at Don Sweeney for the first time in whatever forty years of my life or whatever that he's been involved. I'm not maybe not that much, but uh, it was very painful. We were getting our asses kicked, and I shut off the game. I was like, I cannot. It doesn't. I can't watch this game anymore. I went to bed thinking, dear God, please make it stop. And I woke up the next morning, and like many of my dreams came true. Where you know we've been debating, are we? are we going to rebuild or read? What are we doing? Like we can't, you know, there wasn't enough and we learned that our depth wasn't enough, just like not to be an asshole. I said so, but, um, and I woke up and first of all, Taylor Hall was home. Come home to mama, Taylor, come home to mama. What Taylor Hall got traded. Thank you, Don Sweeney, a personal thank you. You got me a defenseman left shot. Thank you. Okay. We're getting a little less aggravated about the, and again, it's not about Char and Krug leaving. It's about the not shoring up the left side when they did, you know, and thank, thank you again, immediate impact. And David Krejci, he thanks you too, Don Sweeney. He thanks you too, because he finally has two wingers, two wing. We'll talk about a little, you know, but this is, 
it's sexy. We're back to playing sexy hockey. And like you Great said, word. I don't know if we're ready for a cup run, but at least we look like the Bruins again. And that makes me happy because even before we were super struggling before the trade deadline, there was something missing this whole year, no matter how many times people want to explain it, injuries, this and that. No, something's gone with the magic and sprinkle a couple things. And I would like to mention uh, Lazar has also, also been very, is that that's Lazar, right? So he's been playing yeah. center, looking better than some of the other centers on this team, let me tell you. But uh, also, I do want to just one last thing before we move on, because this was an A-plus trade. I mean, smooches to Donnie and all around, coaching staff, all the people that make these decisions when you go into this. But we do love Anders Bjork, and he seems very comfortable in Buffalo. He got acclimated right quick and seems to be part of their boy, which is good for him, because you're right, he has not yet to begin to uh, reach his potential. We've both been big advocates of him, but this is a situation like we talked about. We All we have is assets. Like you're not going to trade David Krejci as much as people think that just dumping his salary. That was the biggest thing for me on this. And Buffalo ate most of the rest of the salary too. Yeah. Yeah. Win-win. Uh, and the first round pick wasn't involved, which I, I, I automatically thought that that was going to be when you, when you garner a trade for Taylor Hall and uh, nope, they swung it. And I mean, it's a second round pick, but that's fine. You know, I mean, I think that you need, still need to replenish the the prospect pool. That mm-hmm. that pick is important, but and I'm also on the fifth on the side of it's it's a very very incumbent draft this year. If that's the word that I could possibly use, I'm not totally sure on that. Not a word guy, but um, yeah. but it's um. You know, to me, you're not going to know what you're going to get because it's just a pandemic world. We're not able to travel and see what's going on uh, in the developmental world of hockey and so on. And leagues are shutting down. And, you know, the Ontario Hockey League, done. They're done. Yeah. They just can't do it. So, it, I mean, it's a very, very just weird time for me when that, considering that, obviously, you know, it's a pandemic. I think everybody is home safe and, you know, sorry for the lost ones and everything like that, first and foremost, above sports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to the draft, it's like, damn, man, you just don't know what you're going to get. And I'm not an expert at this, but I'm just going along with what many others have said, either on Twitter or the, or the vast amount of freaking hockey podcasts that I listen to on a regular. Yeah. It is different. Also, bring up uh, the women's worlds got canceled. And yeah, from- Halifax. Yeah, it's like, you know what? Come on, man. Get this freaking shit over with. I'm just now I got my first vaccine. I'm just like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Oh, we're, we're going to be in the garden, whether we have to sell a liver or not. Yeah. Someone's liver, not ours, but oh, we're going to be there in the fall. I haven't, I, well, because of the pandemic, I didn't get to bring Eric to his first game when he turned five. He's been waiting. He's on, you know, so yeah. he's had to wait two years, but I would like to bring him to his first opening night, you know? Oh, I, I, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So that was big. Tuka Rask, uh, 300th win. Yay, Tuka. I'm sure that was a proud moment for you. You love the yeah. Tuka Rask. I th- yeah. Yeah, I was uh, that was about time because it was just every time that he had the opportunity to do it, it just came up as a total mess. But um, uh, with the injuries and, and, and this and that, it's just good to have him in the fold. Uh, uh, Ty Anderson wrote a, uh, an article not too long ago about uh, Tuca and um, potentially not being at 100%, which could be a concern moving forward. But from what I've seen so far, I, I think it's load management that Bruce Cassidy is taking with this team. And, and moving forward, that's the way it's going to be. And and hopefully he gets to 100% before the playoffs. I mean, we're talking 13, 14 games away. So still a lot of time. 
Um, if if the if the idea of Swayman and and Halak is is a little more to get him that rest, I'm I'm good for it. I mean, Swayman's been just unbelievable. We'll talk about him later on, though. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say. I just, I'm not, you know, I don't really, I tweet things, but I'm not really a, huge on the social media because there's a reason I didn't have social media for the first 20 years of his existence. Cause I don't want to get in the shit, you know, like I just, it's a dumpster fire. I have a big mouth <laughs> and I'm not fighting the fight unless I feel I need to kind of thing, you know, but, uh, I just tweet, you know, Tuka Rask is a Bruins legend, whether you like it or not, hashtag facts, suck it up. I'm yeah. so, how many years, like Tuka, does he have bad games? Yeah. Is he a human? Yeah. Is he's got a strange personality, you know? Yep. Yeah. But you he is fucking a legend. You can see, and without the Stanley Cups and everything like that, I know I'm probably going to get hammered for this comparison, but Patrick Waugh was a friggin' nutcase, okay? And he was legendary. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and this is pretty, without the Stanley Cups, obviously, this is what we're seeing in him. Crazy goaltenders happen, and even Patrick Waugh had many bad games. I know a couple where Cam Neely just absolutely lit that Patty Waugh ass up. All the time. Happy about it. I was happy about it. (laughs) And then you know, every goaltender has bad days. It's just, it's just the narrative of we need to direct all of our hate to one area, which is always a certain type of uh, area of a team, like like the like quarterback, the pitcher, and the goaltender in hockey. And you know, I don't know basketball. What, What would it be in basketball? point guard I don't know. maybe like a point guard yeah I, I think basketball is a little different than the rest where you have the one person but I would say probably your point guard right because they're yeah they're not doing their job then you're probably not very productive I actually have no idea so I don't know if that's true or not but we are not a basketball podcast let's move on okay um <laughs> just, uh, just to revisit again super fucking sexy second line action happening this week no blue chew needed on this just like look at us we have two actual lines Woo, woo. right i know it's, it's pumped. pumped yeah like 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 i said oh god i just love it just so <laughs> that was just a quick thing that's happened since we last talked we have a second line <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. yeah again not to go i know it's uh a little redundant but I just have to say it. Oh, it's so awesome. I love it. I, can't. I so just, hot. you know, well, you know, yeah, I know, like Adam said, it's so hot. I just, you know, I'm playing that gif in my head right now. And I just, I feel like, I mean, I know that there are other people who love David Krejci. I don't feel anyone besides his wife, his parents, and uh, family, and maybe Chris Black. He loves David Krejci the way I do. I have always been for 10 years, like, dude. Blackie's got a major kickstand over the addition of Taylor Hall and the resurgence of David Krejci. And I'm, I'm, you know, honestly, this is like a preseason for David Krejci. Like these 15, 20 games that he's going to be playing with Taylor Hall is seriously, Mm -hmm. it's like we're gearing up for playoff Krejci. This is what we see in the playoffs. So this time and, and, you know, and how it's being inserted right now is just huge moving forward. The secondary scoring issue, if that continues to to the end of the season and into the playoffs, that's just going to launch this Boston Bruins team to a whole nother level when it comes to like goal differential against certain teams it's 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 fun to see now let's get let's filter that down and 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 get our third line involved a little bit and we'll talk about uh certain somebody later on (laughs) somebody's in our lineup that we love dearly but really are baffled about i understand that yeah the bruins we have depth we beat the islanders twice that's a quick mention unbelievable unbelievable twice and like just beat them like actually outplayed them beat them not fool around right and you know the the first game with with basically the whole crew, 
of, of additions that came in via the trade deadline. Um, you know, started in Buffalo with a, with a, a shootout win. Uh, and I thought that even though they were new and they were getting acclimated to the team and so on, I think the Boston Bruins core should have been more on their game to get a better result than a freaking shootout win. Um, but it, it, that it, it's a win. It's a W moving forward. You bring that game, which was, which was a little amazement to me. You had a day off to practice fully and so on again. Mm-hmm. And then you go and play two back to back against the New York Islanders who you have not beaten at all this season, five straight wins, regardless if you got a point or not out of them, they were mm-hmm. losses on the column and you turn this around to find now the, in my opinion, and I don't mean to ramble here. The no, in my ahead. opinion, in my opinion, the New York Islanders for five straight games before these two, this back to back, they were the exposer. They were exposing the Boston Bruins so bad, especially on a weekend defense because of injuries. But those two back to back games, the Boston Bruins were the exposee. They were exposing the awful uh, defense that that the Islanders could show. I mean, defense is good. I'm just saying in those particular games, mm-hmm. Bruins were pretty much going uh, sometimes at a straight line, which had them we- had that defense weirded out because opposing teams in this division are used to seeing them on the wide side working their way in and, and, and extending the goal line. This Boston Bruins team, when they went to play the Islanders, I saw at least, and it's my opinion, that I saw more middle play and, and a much more structured game offensively. And, you know, there were times that there were bad periods, but they, they made up for that too. Yeah, no, they, that, that week after the trade deadline was definitely a wow. Like the, when the, the sales got picked up a little bit, like you said, it doesn't matter if you get a point or not, because when it gets to the playoffs, if we're playing the Islanders, like they were like the biggest ones I didn't want to, like, I figured we could figure anybody else out in the first round, but not the Islanders because they had our number. Like said, they, even if we'd get momentum, they would make us look like weak against another good team. You know, I just, it's very strange. Like we've had pretty even series versus Washington, you know, back and forth a few, you know, but, um, yeah, that, that was very good. Also, this is just a random thing before we maybe start recapping uh, the games a little from the last week. I mean, I, sorry, I was skipping over in my head I before we start getting to the next topic. Uh, but Bergeron scored the 21,000th goal of franchise history, which yes. is kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of goals. I mean, sure, they're one of the oldest, you know, teams or whatever, but still, that's kind of um pretty awesome. So... Again, Bergeron just if there's he is he is like when he went in the box the other day, someone said Saint Patrice is not guilty of any infractions ever. Amen. <laughs> like that's true. Um, okay, but on a sad note though, um, I hadn't heard I didn't hear you mention it when you did your solo show last week. So I just thought it's still pretty timely. So let's bring it up. Um, Johnny Pearson passed away at ninety at the age of ninety-five uh last week and um, I know there's a lot of Bruins fans out there because, you know, we're a little older, but um, he played for the Bruins 12 seasons, uh, had pretty good numbers. He played a total of 445 games with the Bruins, uh, 326 points. And but most uh, especially our generation, we know him from his broadcasting ability in 1969. He joined uh, WBZ, which has always been like kind of the hub station of sports in Boston uh, and him and Cusack. I mean, just the sounds of my childhood. It was fun listening to people post clips. So anybody who's listening uh, that may be under the age of 
35, definitely <laughs> go back. I know you think Jack and Brick and, you know, Bob Beer or whatever thing, but classic. Just yeah. the sounds of my youth. WSBK. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and you're right. I mean, everybody nowadays in the digital world and, uh, you know, the way they watch hockey games, um, you know, are going to gravitate to Brick and, uh, and, uh, and, and Edwards. Um, but, you know, it's a generational thing. Those guys learn from these guys, the 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 uh, Derek Sandersons, the Fred Cusicks, and 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 um, and Johnny Pearsons. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love the way my dad. I wrote an article about this. Uh, I remember uh, the when the TV thirty eight song would go off, I would be spinning my wheels in my bedroom because I was supposed to be in bed to come down and just like slide right in front of the TV right at seven o'clock to hear. Um, Fred Cusick and Derek Sanderson call the game and have Johnny Pearson doing the, uh, the, 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 the analysis of the, mm-hmm. of what went wrong or what was good, the positives, negatives, and so on, on the, uh, on the old screen, which was all like pixelated and so on. It was great, but you know, that's how, that's how everybody learns you. It's a passed down generation of how you teach the game and how you relate it to the fans. And, and those guys were just really good at how they did. They grabbed, they got me, they got my dad. And it just, you know, it was just a really good experience growing up with those guys. Um, and I, to be honest, I just, I didn't know that he was still alive. I just, yeah. I, I haven't really thought of Johnny Pearson much, but when you see that on Twitter it's like, oh man, but 95, man, good on him. Uh, and, you know, thoughts go out to his family and friends and, and, and networks that he worked with. And it just, because it just, he was just really good. And you know, he was a really good golfer. He was really good golfer. Um, and I, I, I said that in the article too, but um, no, but just a, a great guy, class act and a hell of a Bruins player. I mean, he's an all-star, I believe once or twice. Um, and, and, and a full Bruin through and through from the, uh, the lower leagues of development back in the day when Bruins like owned leagues in Canada just to, to, to just to play, pick talent like Montreal did in Quebec, you know, yeah. in Ontario and so on. Um, yeah, uh, he. Yeah. Played, oh, sorry, he played for the Boston Olympics a season too. Yes. He played well with the Bruins, but he played two, and, I think, for the Hershey Bears too. Yeah. Right? Hershey yes, Bears right. were awesome. And that's when the Hershey Bears were a part of the Boston Bruins affiliation. Yeah. I mean, Hershey's been so many affiliations. It's crazy. But they're still, you know, in line as being the longest um, uh, uh, minor pro team in the American Hockey League. Yeah. Um, but also the Boston Olympics. I don't know if you know this, but several uh, Amesbury Maples played on the Olympics. And mm-hmm. the, the Olympics was uh, owned by uh, Walter Brown, who was a... Um, uh, a general manager for the Boston Bruins for a long time. So, um, yeah, so there's some ties to the, to the Amesbury Maples, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I do know Coach Dupree played. Didn't he play for the Olympics? He did, yep. And uh, so did uh, Fuzzy Thurston. Mm-hmm. And I believe Everett Picard played for for them for a short time. And Fuzzy, Fuzzy Thurston, he was a defenseman. He also went on the trip over to Europe and uh, basically uh, kicked everybody's ass over there in Europe in like a, a 20 team freaking tour, uh, mm-hmm. Germany, France, uh, all those teams, Czechoslovakia. It was, it was awesome. And uh, several of those players played in the, uh, the early Olympics in the thirties too. So man, I love the history. <laughs> yeah. No, we, you know, the Amesbury Maples are a big thing. Like I said, I was one day I was at uh the buzz picking up something. I like walk in, there's this beautiful picture of the maples sitting on the table there. I'm like, Hmm, where did this randomly come from? Like, <laughs> I love nice. it. Um, nice. now I know you like, you keep the history going and that's important. Uh, 
and as it is where there's a lot of people like you who really care about their local uh, history and uh, invest in remembering. And someday we'll have rinks in Amesbury and we'll have a nice maples display yep. that we can look at. But someday, so. someday. All right. Well, we have a couple minutes left before uh, like the half hour mark. So I thought maybe as we had the three games versus Buffalo, maybe we could just recap Sunday the 18th against uh that was an afternoon game so you probably didn't talk about it uh so on sunday april 18 2001 we beat the caps six to three um it was a matinee game that we won which was awesome and i would argue probably the most complete game uh marshawn shorthanded from i mean uh bergeron shorty from marshy Krejci scored from clifton and smith then marshy got one from pasta and Berge. Krejci, smith and hall well, Krejci from Smith and Hall, and then Bergeron again for Pasta and Marshy. Marshy and the empty netter in the end. Uh, we had three people that might have got a hat trick. It was odd to me in the last minute and a half. None of the three were on the ice to potentially score. At, you know what I mean? Whatever. But um, I thought overall, besides the 14 minutes in penalties, the most complete effort. We'll talk about penalties later. But the most complete effort the Bruins put up all season. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, when you look back even further to our talk um, previous week with against mm-hmm. the uh, the Islanders games, these I I, I didn't say it myself. I'm not going to take credit for it, but I'm going to say it to the very knowledgeable Twitter folk out there in Bruins, Bruins Nation that after the first and second game, the back to back against the Islanders, and then they started playing the and then obviously the win against Washington, which we're talking about right now. Playoff style hockey was mentioned so many times, and obviously the narratives uh, derived by these are probably teams you're going to see in the playoffs uh, coming up. So I get it, but it's nice to see the Boston Bruins arise to the occasion, showing the fans during the regular season, which is like our is a preseason to the postseason. It is, it is what it is, but something good about what's the potential down the road and what you can match up in and what you can record and break down when Bruce Cassidy, Kevin Dean, Bandolfo, Sacco are all going back into the locker room and breaking it down for players to see, you know, visually and moving forward, you use all that information to basically structure a seven game series. And I got to tell you, after some of these games, I like, I like the feeling I'm getting about that if they make it this far. So, and I, I have a strong, I mean, they're sitting in the fourth position. We'll talk about the standings and so on later on, but I have a good feeling about these teams. What I don't have a good feeling is when they play down to teams like the Sabres and so on. And we'll get into that later on oh, or yeah, even we, next week. Cause yeah. there's a game yesterday that was, <laughs> woo. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about the Buffalo three game, like it's a baseball series. Um, but yeah, you know, there, man. <laughs> that's the thing. So it's like on one hand, yes, a couple weeks ago, I was like, Jesus, we're not even getting out of the first round. It's happening. We're the new Toronto. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? uh, but I feel better now. I feel like I'm not saying we're winning the cup. It'd be great if we did. I, I said to Barry jokingly that if we keep putting more people in the 2011 numbers, then maybe we'll win the Stanley Cup again because Mike Riley's number six, you know. So anyways, um, I just, it may, it's like, I don't know. So like you said, on one hand, it's like, I cannot stand they play down to teams. New Jersey gets our number. Buffalo beat us, which you can't win them all. So, I mean, we had one six in a row, so we were bound to lose a game, even to Buffalo. And Buffalo played great, so they deserve to win anyways. We played like crap, and they 
seem like they've been playing better the last couple of weeks too, sort of, I mean, as much as Buffalo can, but um, yeah, I, again, I, you got to stay out of the penalty box that bothered me a little, but I'm glad we can compete with Washington. So great that you play up when you're playing the teams that are your caliber sucks. You play down, but I'm glad to see we can actually beat the people on our level. Again, it's been pretty even versus uh, Washington all year, but you definitely point out like the Islanders had our number more like they knew they were winning that game. And then we got, I thought we started getting in our own heads about like, okay, all right, big third period. Oh God, lose it. Like, cause we don't normally play. We still struggle with the 60 minute start to finish. And the only reason we win a lot of times is because we're brilliant in certain times. So brilliant. We can punch a huge hole real quick, but then we give up a goal, you know, so we still struggle a little with that on there, but five on five scoring is good. Yeah. It's starting to get back. And I really like that. Um, secondary scoring five on five starting to get a little more chemistry with everything going moving forward. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get to the blue chew and, and, and this uh, particular subject, what do you think about the Corrali hit from, um, from, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson. Oh, yes. Uh, thank yeah. you. Okay. So unlike the Tom Wilson hit on Brandon Carlo, which to me was a really shitty hockey hit play, whatever you wanted to call it. And that deserves it. I think that that was a combination of Tom Wilson coming in hard and not maybe trying to pull up, but saw Corrali was falling and kind of made a decision because he's already been in trouble. You know what I mean? To like not go forward. And it was already happening to the point that there couldn't have been a hit, you know? Uh, that's the one you're talking about, right? When Corrali was going down and thing. Yeah, yeah. It, so, it kind of awkward fell, and then like you knew Wilson was going to line him up if he wasn't off balance. Yeah. But still had enough time to see that he was like fallen, but chicken right. winged a little bit. Right, but at the same time, uh, that's what I mean. Is like it's not a typical Tom Wilson hit because normally Tom Wilson would just follow through and not give a shit. To me, this one looked more like. Unlike on Carlo, where he lined that shit up to mean it, that to me looked more like you said he was lining him up and didn't realize because he, Corrali got uh, tangled up with, I don't remember who the other capital was, and he started falling back. To me, it did look more like Tom Wilson was trying to maybe like change his trajectory, but then because he's Tom Wilson, couldn't not get any kind of bumping, you know. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like a typical Tom Wilson, I think, her. Um, so to me, I don't know, penalty, bad hit. You know, some people were freaking out. I'm like, mm, that's not quite the same kind of bad Tom Wilson hit. And there is a little ownership on the player, too, you know what I mean? Because the way Corrali fell, he would have or he should have seen Wilson or been aware that there was a player coming from that side before he started falling, too. You know, so I don't know. What about you? Did you think it was egregious? I didn't think so. It was, it was just, yeah, no, I, don't, I didn't think it was either. I just think it was, uh, it's just uncircumstantial you know i mean uh Corrali was just in into a play trying to get the puck through mm-hmm. and lost his balance turned an awkward way and then there was wilson right there even though you could see a little bit of a you know a tuck down prepare yourself but i mean i i, I don't believe it's not one of his worst hits ever i'll tell you that right now yeah. and um you know and that's I'm, the hard thing that's the hard thing is like, I was good with the call, but is that because I know what Tom Wilson normally does? And this just seems like a reasonable, like circumstantial hockey incident, which I do think overall it was, but um, I agree with you. Like, it's weird. Like, it j- but just cause it's not his typical hit. Does that make it a good hit? I don't, I don't know. I'm not really no. sure. So. All right. Well, let's pause for a second. Let's talk about blue chew. Mark has done a fabulous job in my aunt. 
my absence, but uh, let me see, because you know, we always like to talk about the Blue Chew, because we love hockey, and we love great sex, and that's why we love the Blue Chew, so let me tell you about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take it anytime, day or night. If you need to try and, you know, get a little something going and you're having a little trouble, you can take it on empty stomach. No problem. Blue Chew is made in the USA and it's prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor and you don't have to wait in line and you don't have to have the awkwardness of all of that. It's even cheaper than a pharmacy and they ship it discreetly to you in packaging. So no one knows what's going on. It's just you, you know what's going on. You're getting the help you need to have your confidence boost, your performance boost that you need. There's no awkwardness. You don't have to leave the house. So the best way to enhance your performance if you need to, where it counts, and we all know where it counts, my friends, is to go to bluechew.com and put in the promo code black and gold because then you'll receive your order for free. You just pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com. So you go to bluechew.com. In the promo code, black and gold, all capitals, you get your order for free, just $5 shipping and handling. So if you would like the swagger, the confidence, the performance of Don Sweeney, like you're about to win the 2021 trade deadline, go to bluechew.com so that everyone can have a super sexy second round. Yeah, if 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 uh, Don Sweeney has a, a swing around freaking uh, trade deadline like this next year, Blue Chew mm. is on me. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we thank Blue Chew. We we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast, as a, and and for tolerating us. Yes, thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, all right. Well, I guess with that, we'll get into the Buffalo series. Um, you know, we'll kind of break it down game by game, but we'll just talk generally about how it seemed up in Buffalo. Um, first of all, boring as hell. I'd like to start that off before we even recap the games. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm not saying Buffalo is the most exciting team, but they've been playing better. They're not the Buffalo we played when they finally, we got a game in with them the week before. All we've been doing is playing Buffalo. I don't know. They're kind of, is it boring because we're playing Buffalo again? Or is it boring just because this is really boring hockey? And I think sadly a combination of both, but anyways, uh, Tuesday was 420, yes, and Tuka Rask got a 2-0 shutout, 420 <laughs> and Tuka Rask shutout, and uh, he got the shutout. Uh, we won, I'm sorry, with a couple goals, uh, Marshy from Pasta and Mike Riley, like you said, making an impact there back on the blue line, and Connor Clifton from Corrali. Hey, how you doing, Sean Corrali? And oh, Laza. Uh, in the second, uh, again, I, I jotted down, we played down a bit as we tend to do versus teams that are worse than us, but, um, I didn't specifically put it as a topic, but we'll talk about it generally, but, um, yay for five on five goals, but sucky on this power play. Uh, the PK has been phenomenal though. They are the working Best in the league. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but again, so there was a lot, again, a lot of penalty minutes, ridiculous 12 minutes and penalties, some, and some of the penalties we've been taking, some of them are warranted. Yes, absolutely. There have been a few, but mostly overall we've deserved it. And that's, what's pissing me off. Like I can get a bad call when you get, but we have deserved the penalties on the whole. And that's annoying to me. Uh, yeah. Any personal thoughts on the 420 game besides yay for a shout out? We looked good. Uh, again, a little boring playing down a little bit. It should have been like six to one as far as I was concerned or whatever. But. Yeah, I totally agree. They should have really put the, um, you know, uh, don't it, the wins a win. It's two points. It doesn't matter. I get it. But um, these are teams you have to beat. You have to beat yeah. them. Um, the jerseys, the Buffaloes and even the Islanders who are really good this year. 
those three teams, is it just me or does it seem like they play the Lulemoreau trap every freaking time we play them? It's that boring hockey. It really is. I accept that for New Jersey because they're they own the trap defense. That's theirs. They invented it and won some Stanley Cups with it. So with Jersey, it, it gets a little boring, but whatever. That's Jersey's thing. Like you said, Lula Morello has implemented, but you're right, it follows him around. Now the Islanders do it. Now in Buffalo felt a little bit like that like the other day. Yeah. And I was like, I, I yeah, don't mind just, the trap defense, just not when that's all that's happening. It gets a little redundant. Just because you're pretty much all in the same kind of area, state, you know, and and yeah what metro area, blah, blah, blah. doesn't mean you have to play the same style of game. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Um, before we go to like the Thursday game, because again, there, there really wasn't much. We'll overall talk about the games in a minute if there was anything that stands out. But um, I thought that Thursday was overall boring. Uh, but I was going to say 41 shots against on the Tuesday game. You can't only score two goals against Buffalo with 41 shots against. That's not okay. Like, I don't, I don't know why that happened. I'm glad we won, but that's not okay. Too best- much pressure on Tuka Rask because Buffalo has been flying this week. Like, they have been trying. They, what the fuck are they playing for? You know what I mean? Excuse my language. It's been a while. I'm all hopped up, so the bad words are going to come out my face. But <laughs> Buffalo's the team that, like, what do they got to lose? They got, like, 12 games of misery to live through for the rest of the season. So they're just playing to have fun, you know? You know, York's giving them maybe a little uh, more of the Bruins kind of like, dude, like, you don't have to lose this bad. You're not that bad of a team. You are actually playing worse than the team you are. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned was the was the total shots in that game. Mm-hmm. And and you I, I'm not sure if the goaltender was Allmark or was it Tokarski. I think it was Tokarski. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. that's a goaltender that has been a, a journeyman and good on him for sticking around and, and doing what he's gotta do uh to keep the, the dream alive. And he and he's been playing really well. He was the player of the goal uh, player of the week, I believe, last week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something crazy. But anyway, um a goaltender like that, you need to get more more out of it. Uh, if you're putting that many shots, I wanna know particularly the shots that were high percentage shots which one the shots that you can actually create goals on not the ones that just hit you in the chest and he eats up every day you know those are the ones you really got to capitalize now after 40 some odd shots is it a point of you're not getting net front presence enough and you're you're allowing that goaltender to see what's coming at you all the time i kind of think so if you, if you need if you need to be more aggressive in there and move players around and get more tippable shots and create you know more opportunities i i do think the defense and the blue line of bringing it in with the shots i mean the addition of riley he reminds me a little bit of Krug. i'm just throwing it out there uh, remember i kept saying all i need is a medium left shot defenseman that can do a little bit of what both chara and Krug do Let's revisit this conversation after next season when the full season here, because I think the potential is there for Mike Riley to get Krug-esque points. Maybe not be that power play go-to all the time, but I would like to see him on PP1 with McAvoy and Riley. That'd be kind of a sick freaking PP. We'll see. Blue Chew. Yeah, Blue, blue Chew. That'll be a Blue Chew thing. Uh, again, shout out to uh, the people on the penalty kill because you once again killed 10 minutes of mostly bad penalties. Uh, there were 38 shots on goal. I agree with you. I think um, Buffalo's goaltending, I mean, they played well. I'm not. There were some that they had, especially that rookie on Friday, uh, the finish Another Finn. Can you imagine? Nope. This poor kid's I'm not even going to say. Uka, Lukanen, Pekkanen, or I don't know. 
All I know Isn't is it? he was Tuca Rask's favorite goaltender growing up. He had a picture on the wall, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Of course he did, because Tuca's elite, whether people like it or not. So, um, Yeah, but so again, shout out to them. Uh, big, big issue still continues to, just in a general sense. More giveaways than takeaways. You yeah. give away seven, you only get one back. Not yeah. okay with me, but we will say, uh, Marshawn, did I, I didn't read these ones, right? So Marshawn scored in the first from Bergeron and Mike Riley. Matt Grizzlick scored from McAvoy and Pasta. Again, McAvoy and Grizz forever. BU boys forever. Making Sorry, a solid Heather. point, Heather. Okay. Uh, third. In the third, Pasternak scored from Marshy and Grizz, and Richie scored from DeBrusque and Coyle, and Krejci scored from Lausanne and Hall. So all around another blue chew kind of performance, at least from the first and second lines, and a little bit from the third, looking a little alive like we want them to. Uh, yeah, but that there. And then again, we played Friday. Friday was fucking horrible. I'm sorry. I literally wrote this was oh. a throw-up game. Am, I, it's am one I changing things now? Is it so, Friday? Yeah, you Are we talking that. about Friday? Yeah, we talked about the 5-1 win. We're talking about right. Friday now. This was a throw-up game. That's one of my notes I wrote down. Throw up. Not only did we play down, but we looked like the shit show. We looked like a couple weeks ago. Now, again, they were on a six-game win streak, so I'm not going to whatever. Maybe it's the redundancy. Some people said they got their second COVID shots. They were a little tired, maybe. Speculation. I don't know. Miller was in. Clifton was out for obvious reasons to anybody who watched the Bruins this week. Bergeron was out of the lineup, and as always, when Bergeron's not there, the glue is not there, so that makes it a little messy sometimes. Um, who played on the? Who played up on the center? Coyle. Coyle, yeah, Charlie Coyle. Yeah. I, Half yeah, Charlie Coyle. Right I almost now. forgot we'll about, talk him. about it later on. Yeah, so no, it was I, I, no, Coyle I was... centering Marshan and Pasternak. It yeah. was Krejci centering Hall and Smith. Lazar on the third line centering Richie and DeBrusque. Uh, Corrali centering Bleed and Wagner. And yeah. obviously the defensive pairings were uh, Grizz, Mack, Riley, Miller, uh, Lausanne, Camphor. Okay. I'll lock in there. So, um, that being said, I, I'm i sorry, but Kevin Miller like is not magical. I'm just letting you know. I know this because <laughs> he's not. Now, I'm not going to get on Kevin Miller. I, I'm just joking as someone, you know, with the Miller thing, but I'm just saying um, Colin Miller's on the other side or whatever and seems to be doing <laughs> – yeah, I know he's in Buffalo, but no, I'm no, just kidding. But last. <laughs> overall, I don't really think it mattered. Like I was said to you jokingly, like or to Barry someone earlier, like uh, just saying, pointing out, like Connor Clifton might have had a shit show week, but at least we were winning when he was in there. So I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm really not blaming this on Miller. Overall, again, we looked like a crap show, like we did a couple weeks ago for a minute. And again, I can't hate on them. That goalie did an outstanding performance because there were a lot of shots that could have gone in, uh, but it is not acceptable. Uh, I know that the score says six to four, but it should have been like 16 to nothing Buffalo because we did not deserve to even get those four goals. They did go, however, off on a uh, offensive flurry with uh, Steve Camper leaving the way from Hall and Tuka Rask because he's elite, got a assist too. Uh, and, and Nick Ritchie, like the third period, once again, like seven minutes left in the third, all of a sudden the Bruins like, Oh yeah, man, the game's almost over. We better score some goals. If we want to try and win, bringing it back to a five, four score with Nick Ritchie from Camphor and DeBrusque Miller scored from Camphor and Corrali uh, Hall scored from McAvoy and Krejci. Again, all things that in my heart makes me just like, Oh my God. It's oh, so I, messed hot here. I, I messed up the score. I put five to one. Look at the banner. Oh, that's all right. You know, it's that was the score before it happens. Who cares? I yeah. put 
you you saw what I did about the Mark Stewart thing. So we're forgetting. Yeah, we'll right talk now. about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but again, all things are like super fucking hot. Like, oh my God, look at all the scoring. But you're supposed to do that for 60 minutes and you're certainly not supposed to be on the 6-4 losing and against Buffalo. So yeah. any comments, questions, or concerns following this Buffalo series? Yeah, just wicked flat from the Bruins. Uh, it was uh, on the back-to-back. I get the, uh, the time you played this team three times in a week. Um, yeah, it's just, I really wanted this one to be so much better. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's nothing good to talk about a game like this. Um, I mean, the comeback is good, but still it's not one that I would want to be in any playoff situation and play like that because you're going to get hammered and, mm-hmm. and you, you know, postseason hockey is so different. And um, a team that is going to be playing you for a set a potential seven game series uh, and you play a style like that will expose the shit out of you and you won't have any luck uh, moving forward. If you bring that game, um, you need a 60 minute effort. You just got to put it in. Uh, it, desperation time should not be the, the uh, forward final five. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. the don't do Trust that. Me. I mean, Create some more space. Get it. If you have a bad second, first period, go in there, take it from Bruce and, and coaching staff, learn from it, come out in the second period and do it for the next 40 minutes because you're not going to survive uh, in, in these desperation times when you're doing it within like five or six minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that's one of the things that continue. I mean, it's always a concern, the 60 minute effort, but one of the things that concerns me is still the slow starts. Like, You've got to get out and go like Buffalo's the type of team that a team like the Bruins should beat the fuck out of the first half of the game, the first 30 minutes in the second half, then not let up, but then just do what St. Louis did to us in game seven. You sit back and control the game and let things happen and you're winning. So as long as you don't get to lose, you know, but we don't do Think about (laughs) this, Heather. Now, do you think that, the way Bruce Cassidy has started uh, since the trade deadline. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's been known to start the fourth line up there to get that energy at, uh, at the get go. right. So for the first, let's just say five games, I'm probably wrong on that number that that was the thing. Now we're going into where teams are starting to recognize and look at video and see weaknesses. When that line gets up, are they being exposed at this time? Should we go back to, uh, bringing it offensively instead of bringing the grind per se. I think due to the f- fourth lines, I don't want to say struggles. I it's like it's such a weird situation. I don't want to be too harsh, but just definitely I don't, things. That I, I don't need the Heather, but I honestly right. kind of think with the Lazar addition, we oh have God. an identity kind of mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, we're we're yeah, our own identity. Like we said, we we didn't lose our identity just because a couple of people. Yeah, we left lost a few huge heart play, you know, moments in the locker room or whatever, but we didn't actually lose the philosophy that was left right. there by, you know, like just we talked about that, right? Just cuz Chara left, his whole philosophy he helped create here did not leave. That's why we have crazy and and it it it's just been and again, we all know it's a weird messy season. So I'm thing, but we can't, like you said, if we go against Washington, as it would line up right now, we'd play Washington, I think, in the first round, right? Because we're fourth there in first right now. It's very tight, these four teams. So who knows how we'll all end in the uh, long run here by mid-May. But you can't do that versus Washington. Because if you get to a slow-ass start against Washington, Oshie's going to score two goals on you or 
you know, whatever. Backstrom's going to end up with five points just assisting the shit out of people just scoring on you, you know. But overall, though, defense has been a lot better, per se, and at least on my end, I, like I said, I, I don't need a big-name defenseman. I need a defenseman that can be consistent and do their job and provide defensive depth because we don't have it on our team, even if everyone's healthy. We have to be realistic. Um, I, do like, I do like Lazar. I think that he is really, really a really good low-end center. Like you said, brings the energy, has a lot of grind. He's showing that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think Riley shows good grind that, you know, helps uh, do that a little bit and maybe helps take off of the Kevin Millers of the world who that's kind of what their game's supposed to be, but just not. But again, I will not, I promise myself for the, out of respect for Kevin Miller and the people who love Kevin Miller, I will behave about any Kevin Miller takes today on our first adventure back out into podcast land after a couple week break. Um, yeah. So any, yeah, I think that's it for the wrap up. We'll get to, we have some games coming up uh, next week, but that's later in the agenda. Let's see what we have now. What can we get done? I know we're nearing our break in another 10 minutes or so, but. Yeah, let's go to studs and duds. Let's talk about yeah. this. All right, so I you always let me go first, but I'm interested. Well, you're a, a lady. That's a gentleman I, thing to do, Heather. I know, but um, so I'm going to go with my dud first and just get it out of the way. This is a player that I love very much, and uh, I think I said to you that I think has been getting a little more hate over his play. I'm, I'm mad at him about his penalties, but he has also been productive this week. But Connor Clifton's going to have to be my dud. Mainly because I feel like you let me down with some of these uh, dumb penalties. Again, penalties, some of the, not all of them necessarily wanted, but Kev, uh, Kevin, Colin Miller, Collar Miller. Bleh. See what I'm doing? I'm trying to say Miller coming in for Clifton because Clifton was playing like yuck. You've been hanging around with me and my fucking tongue fumble. <laughs> hey, it's been a while. I don't even know where to look. I forgot like how to look because it's weird. I want no, to look fine. at you on the screen, but yeah. So yeah, you're fine. Um, Connor Clifton played his way out of the lineup, regardless of whether Kevin Miller got healthy enough to play or not. I mean, good for Miller to not, he was fighting in a, a cellulosis. Yeah, uh, just, just happy it wasn't a, yeah. his knee thing again. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, we don't. Too, so I'm glad they got it out of control because you can like lose limbs over that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm glad I that know. I know. Um, but at the same time, I would rather, and this is obviously just my humble opinion, which you, of course, know is right because it's my opinion. Um, <laughs> Oh God! I would rather have Connor Clifton than Kevin Miller in my lineup, generally speaking. Like if when Clifton is playing good Cliffy hockey, he is not in the box for stupid shit. He's in the box because he punched somebody in the face because he had to. You know what I mean? So if I could yeah. rub a little Kevin Miller on Connor Clifton and shore up this defense before we head to the playoffs, that would make me happy. I'm sorry. Okay, so that's it. So my stud, I had a hard time with this week. Okay. Because firstly, I, I know it's a cop-out, but I kind of want to give it to the units for the penalty kill because they had legitimately 46 minutes or something in penalty minutes that they killed this week. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give it to someone who I'd also had a hard time deciding if I wouldn't give him the seventh player award. And no, it's not Kevin Miller. I'm going to give it to Stephen Camper. He had a great week. And he is the epitome of the player who shows up, does his job, supports his teammates to the best of his ability every damn time he gets on the ice. And I don't think he gives it enough love. So Inga is giving her love for her stud of the week to Steve Camper. Mark, wow. your turn. That's interesting. 
Um, Do you disagree to my argument on that? No, no, I don't. But I also look at that award differently. And I, and I, I look at the seventh player award as um, a player that it's a fan vote. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. And um, what it's entitled. It's like, I don't think it should go to Stephen Camper. Not because I mean, of your listen, argument, just for the no, fact no, is that he hasn't played a full season. Listen, I didn't I didn't say I gave him my seventh player vote. I said he's a player though that is by definition, like you say, it is oh, a yeah, fan yeah, vote, yeah, yeah. Okay. By definition. So I, I did not actually we will talk about the seventh player in a little yeah. while. But I'm just saying with the seven hundred people you could have voted for, yeah. Steve Camper, really you only need like six players that you no, could I vote for. You. And he's one you. of them being he doesn't gripe about it. He doesn't do it. He shows up in Providence. Yep. He shows up oh, in Boston, whatever. So I just meant so for that, um, by definition, he is that type of player. Cause I agree with you. I know it's a fan vote. We'll get to the seventh player layer, but I just want to make it clear. He is not who I gave my pl- seventh player award vote to. So, all right. <laughs> um, my stud for the week is, um, uh, I want to say Craig Smith. I, I, I think Craig's been playing really well with a great assortment of talent. Um, David Krejci centering and Taylor Hall on the left. Uh, and, and, and he's the type of player that you just want to keep right there from now on. I mean, things are working so good. Krejci's revitalized. We're ready for him for playoff Krejci. And, and Taylor Hall is new, getting accustomed to the team, but doing all those things that you want to see a superstar like that do when you swing uh, for a home run, like, uh, like Don Swing, you did at the trade deadline. Um, I, I, I just think that we're, we're finally getting to see our right wing potential that we've been, the, the turnstile has been turned and turned and turned so many times that we that plug dizzy. And, plays and things aren't working. Yeah. We're dizzy. I'm throwing up. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> but it's just, that's what you want to see. We have a first line. We have a second line. Let's get it going on the second line. My dud for the week is definitely Charlie Coyle. We, I, I and, and I'm so partial on this. It's driving me nuts. I like the Charlie Coyle puck possession center. Drives the third line minus the points. But we get that Charlie Coyle going. And so many people say, Mark, it's coming. They come on Twitter and say, Mark, be patient. Playoff Charlie Coyle. I wonder if playoff Krejci is going to be rubbing some of that on his forehead. And like, we can do this together. We can be playoff people. You know, and and it happens because I'm just so frustrated with him not having a goal in so many games. We're over 20 some odd games. I think we're at 23, 24 games now. It's like, come on. This is exactly why I didn't want to trade for him from Minnesota. And and I got killed for it. And they're like, oh, you, you, it's because you protect the prospects. You love Ryan Donato. It's like, no, I didn't. No one loves Ryan Ryan Donato. And Donato. I I liked him. Still, it's just, it's just, I wanted to. I like DeBrus yeah, more. This is the same thing. Uh, no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I'm sorry. I was going to go on a little okay. tangent about Charlie. Coyle. I'm gonna save no, it. We're, yeah, we're going to talk specifically about the third and fourth line centers and what to yes. do with yes. that. Yes. Um, but you have a good point. Like we have two solid lines now. Craig Smith leaving where he's at. I love it. I just, I can't like, I can't stop smiling with them all. But did you, so your dud is, as someone who is not, you think you're being biased because you do have a Charlie Coyle bias, but I can reassure you he deserves a dud stamp if you're choosing that, not by bias, but by play. So I just want to let you know, you're not just being biased right, about it. Right, right, 
he's a high candidate for the right. dud list lately. So exactly. that's the studs and duds. Um, we'll we'll get to the seventh player award and more Charlie Coyle yeah. and Sean Corrali talk a little bit oh. later. That's, um, another, that's another crazy talk that's been happening this week besides Trent Frederick. So. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to get into kind of what to do with the third and fourth line centers. Because although we have two awesome, sexy top lines, you know, the top two lines are happening now. We have all the components we need to really – have four like since 2011 we haven't had four solid lines to roll and we have the components we have necessary to do that and magic might happen it might come together if people are healthy and together and we figure out what the hell to do with the bottom two lines um okay but if, if, if no go ahead if it doesn't if it doesn't happen this year look at what you can do next season with with available salary cap over the off season upwards of 30 million if you're going to retain Krejci, it's going to eat up a little bit, but not $7 million worth. You can address those other needs, too, and, and make a powerhouse team. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking future. I'm, I'm looking at the future now, but I'm also really excited about what could happen in, uh, in, in free agent signings, regardless if people think that the, the, um, the available list of UFAs that are ready to go to other teams or whatever is thin. I still think you can find those complementary players that you can go in and just make this a team that replicates 2011 with those four lines of offense that you were talking yeah. about. If you can't do it this year by committee with four lines, we're getting it done. We're seeing really good positive things with the first and second line right now, but maybe next season with a little bit of time and so on, they can work together and find the, pieces to get the complimentary uh i just said that complimentary pieces to uh orchestrate that fourth line and, and get it back 10 years later who knows yeah, 11 and this, years later sorry and this year too is going to be really weird because you have the seattle draft which i figure in the next week or two we can start kind of revisiting the seattle drafts coming up in like a month and a half two months yeah, whatever it is yeah, like we'll right on that but, um, Black, we'd be happy because we we haven't talked about about it well we had to circle back and then think you know things happen we didn't forget you blackie we're going to inga loves a good uh expansion draft i get mad at it and i'm always complaining i don't they need to be in the lane that i was so grumpy the day of vegas as i was like at work like giving this thing middle fingers like las vegas night yeah. select colin miller <laughs> sorry i was uh, like you picked the wrong miller miller <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get hammered for that one too, but who cares? Oh God. Okay. No bad, no bad Kevin Miller takes yet. That's what the seven player awards. No. Um, anyways, um, uh, what was, I don't even remember what was it. Oh, this is a bold prediction before we move. You know what I mean? To break I just wanted to say bold prediction. Right. And you know, I'm actually usually pretty good about generally guessing what I think someone's going to signed. This year's unique. You got the drafts, the regular draft, the Kraken draft. You get the free agents. This year's name of the game is not going to be who you can get as a UFA or RFA or whatever. The name of the game is going to be, hopefully you did right at this trade deadline. And I think this is what Don Sweeney has figured out. You get the pieces you need now and solidify that shit before all that happens. So then in the off season, 
you can do exactly what you did. And that gives everyone room to breathe. The prospects can breathe a little. We can get a lot of good middle line cheap players. But my bold prediction is this. 10 million of that dollars will be spent on re-signing David Krejci either a year or two at like a $4 million end. And the $6 million on the other half is going to go to Taylor Hall because Taylor Hall has to know he's not getting $8 million. And if he likes it here and things are popping like this and they're going to keep his center, he seems perfectly comfortable with just kind of stepped in and like they've always like I don't know maybe they should have always been together I just I don't know uh sorry sorry I just I'm so worried about the Taylor Hall thing but uh that's my prediction 10 million of that's going to be re-signing Krejci at like a four mil only because it is going to be one of his last contracts he's done his fucking time and he deserves at least four million he ain't getting seven but he deserves at least four for a year and Taylor Hall might want to suck it up buttercup six mil for a couple years and then figure out the rest of his career after that I do want to add something about the expansion draft and players that are UFAs that are coming up. Learning something new, I'm always absorbing stuff. I don't claim to be an expert at anything. But um, several people have reached out and said that the Boston Bruins could literally talk to, like, Taylor Hall. They could talk to David Krejci. They could talk to uh, Tuka Rask and say, listen, we really want to retain you guys for an, an, another year or two. If we win this year, let's try and repeat next year. Or mm-hmm. if we can't get it done next year, we have the tools to, and ready to uh, to load up next season to make this happen, which is a really good thing. But also what I really want to point out is you don't have to sign Rask, Krejci, or Hall at this point. Right. I believe uh, under the rules, which I'm not privy at all the time, and I'm constantly getting spoken to about it, is you could leave UFAs alone and then after the draft, sign after the expansion draft, sign those three players. Yeah, I think it's some, I, I don't know, I'm not, and I'd really love if we could find someone who really does understand how it happens, because I have a pretty good general grasp of what goes on, but there is a couple rules, and I think it's something like, like, especially Tuca, because he's a goaltender. So if they made him an offer, even if he didn't sign it, that would count as he's now still protected, even though he's, you know what I mean? Yeah. But even though he hadn't accepted it yet. That's also well, a big reason why a lot of people just say, well, we'll just, just um, uh, protect Vladar. Yeah. Which makes yeah, sense. There's ways that you can actually inadvertently be protecting. You know, everyone, I know you can only technically protect the seven players or whatever, but contracts also help you know that too so like maybe you choose to try and re-sign taylor hall just so you know he's locked up no one's trying to bother you about trading his rights or whatever you know what i mean yeah before these things happen because the rights the team retains the rights until the you open up for free agency either way so if you're you like we were talking about that with tory krug he was kind of stuck there like what in the actual fuck because i can't really do anything until 12 o'clock on this day you know and any ufa like they get in there Also, the RFAs, some of them are going to be protected. A few of them will be protected because with an RFA, you have to give them the qualifying offer. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Bruins dealing with, you know, some of the prospect or whoever people whose contracts will be getting renegotiated. You walk them down cheap, right, for a couple years real cheap. And then you're not even worrying about them because even if you – they can become uh, trade pieces still in the draft and stuff. Because they have term and stuff. So maybe their performance hasn't warranted, but like a two to three year on a kind of shiny prospect might be 
interesting to trade up and get our second dra draft pick back or something like that as well. Yep. So it is very complicated, but I would love to have someone who really, really understands how the expansion oh, draft, because yeah, I have we'll, so many questions. We'll look into that and have like a yeah. guest or something like that. But um, And we'll have Chris Blackie on so he can ask all his questions <laughs> yeah, that he wants to ask them too. Uh, another, um, uh, what was I, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. Something about drafts um, and protecting people, something like that. Uh, no, no, I, I lost it. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Um, let's hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan. This is our, our, uh, mid show commercial. Bruce is a great person. He has awesome stuff, like all Boston major sports stuff, but particularly I like to deal with Bruce in the Boston Bruins area. He has hand signed jerseys from folks that come to his private signings and they sign pucks, they sign pictures, they sign whatever they, uh, he, they can, and uh, then he turns around and sells them, and he does a great job. And they're great prices. These are where I get the jerseys for the uh, the, the uh, Patreon giveaways. Um, awesome prices, great quality, and they're all um, they're all certified. They have a certificate of authenticity, and it's it's all good stuff. So uh, let's hear from Bruce and see what he has on special this week. And uh, please follow his uh, his Facebook page to get involved in liking and sharing some of his stuff, which automatically gets you involved into a free listener giveaway, which is just a fantastic hand-signed item. So we'll be right back. Let's hear from Bruce. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. Our Jerry Cheevers and Terry O'Reilly sale continues. Get a JSA-authenticated black style or white style Jerry Cheevers or Terry O'Reilly jersey for just $79. Or get an O'Reilly 16x20 Boston Beatdown or a 16x20 Jerry Cheevers Mask Special Edition for just $99. Score with a Bobby Orr autographed GNR authenticated photo for $129. Puck for 149 or Bobby's Ultimate or 28 by 30 autograph numbered special edition shadow box for 379 We are proud to announce our Bruins private signings with Bruins legends Andy Moog, May 14th, and Johnny Busick, May 22nd. Get a Moog or Busick photo or puck for just $29. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces, and for your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Hey, Bruins fans, we're back after hearing from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Please go check them out and use that information to follow him. He has a fantastic Facebook page, and uh, he does some awesome freaking drawings for just simply liking and sharing his stuff on Facebook. It's amazing. He does a drawer out of the hat and picks somebody, and you win a signed item. So check it out. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. And we thank Bruce for the continued support of our program and providing some really good quality commercials at our halfway point. And uh, to folks that, uh, you know, for a decent price, you can have your fan cave really look good with some real uh, authentic signatures. Um, you know, he's got, you know, stuff. if if you want a new player like Charlie Coyle uh, or you want an older player like Phil Esposito, he's got all this stuff for you to dress up the fan cave. And obviously, if you do get a jersey, 
you can um, automatically just get in touch with me or go to the blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on the Fanatics banner and, and then scroll through there and do a search for um, a jersey case that you can hang on the wall so you don't have to uh, get that that jersey that you bought for a really cheap price from Bruce, uh, dirty or anything. It stays pristine right inside, and you can uh, really hold it up and, uh, and show uh, your fans, uh, your friends and family how much of a diehard you are, and they'd be very supportive. So, anywho, yeah. I got to stop talking because I like Bruce. Well, you got to protect your no, you got to protect your stuff. Like I'm a weird, like yeah. I have stuff like yep, my autograph Jim Kelly photo. You think? Like someone's messing around. I brought that with my with me to my aunt's house during the playoffs to watch the football games. Someone thought they were gonna be messing with it. Like, I will kill you over my autographed Jim Kelly picture. Like, I will. Like, don't fuck That's with awesome. it. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it the wrong way because trust me, I value that more than I do whoever's life that's messing with my stuff. Cause that's absolutely right. Yeah, some, we are not a football all... podcast, but we do support hockey podcasts. As yes. much as we love ourselves and everything like that, uh, we do love a good hockey podcast and the world's best. We love the Spit and Chickles podcast. A yep. huge supporter of that program, and 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 I mean they just kill it. They kill it every week. I used to love when they were doing two week, uh, two shows a week. But I understand yeah. that when you get to this level of the best hockey podcast in the world, it's still a grind if you do one show a week. So. Um, and they've they, literally they, been the number one show for like three fucking years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. The charitable ratings are absolutely amazing and so on. But, um, and, and by the way, we, we hit around 80 to 36 on, on a regular basis. Just, just throwing that out there. A little pat on the back to us all. Thank you yeah. very much. Your solo um, show is up there. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah that's pretty, I mean, I, I hate solo shows. I really do. There's nothing to bounce off of. It's more very robotic and like orchestrated and so on. It was just, uh, but I, I, I did it because we, we do have a contract with our advertising and um, I want to, I want to keep that going and so on. So, um, but also, I uh, needed a break, you know, it just everything's coming at me at once and so on. So just needed a break to unwind and, you know, pretty much was like, I'm probably not going to do a show this week because I was just not interested, but yeah. I'm fired up again. I was going to say, um, I think you're harder on yourself than you need to be when you do your solo shows. Yeah, like I you, know. I know. Like you are. Well, an you are the worst well, critic and, of yourself. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, but you always beat yourself up about everything. And like, you don't, your solo shows are good. It's fine. I mean, I know it's way better to have me here, but I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah. Back quick. Yeah. They... <laughs> nice. All right. But, but anyway, no, yeah, let's, talk, so... let's talk about David Pasternak and, yeah. and his uh, appearance on the uh, Spit and Chicklets Hockey podcast. Uh, it, he's just, yeah. uh, he's so fun. He's absolute fun and he's a superstar and he's coming into his own and, and everything. But um, he, he, he did say a lot of uh, great things that you want to hear in a teammate. He was honest. Um, what, what did you, what are your thoughts on, on, on this, on his appearance? I love David Pasternak. He is like everybody's fun little brother. That's like a party in a box. And like, you have to be careful because it's the type of fun in a box that could lead to knock consequences, but also pretty responsible fun in the box. Not the, like we've had some young players, <clears throat> Tyler Shagan, that might've been a little out of control. And, uh, you know, too much time, fun which, in yeah, the box. Too much fun in the box, exactly. Little boochu. <laughs> yeah. A little too much fun in the box, especially. <laughs> yes. Uh, so 
Um, oh my God, this just went off the rails. Okay, focusing. <laughs> but I loved the story. So of course, Felger hated it because that's what he does. But I loved the story about him and Marshy chirping at each other and Bergeron just screaming enough and then just being dead silence. Because he's like, it's like, and anyways, the local radio is like, that's the best story you can come up with. Uh, no, I think he was just using that as an example of how much people listen and respect to Bergeron. Yeah, like, you know what absolutely. I mean? I, I thought it was interesting too. He said something like, and I think it's because he looks up to Bergeron who English was not his first language. Remember when he first came here, like he would struggle. Like he did much better when we played Montreal on the French channel. You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. quite master the way the Brodors and the Rois of the world can turn back and forth to the camera and just switch like that. I think maybe Pasta looks up to that as someone because he's very conscientious about his English even though I think he does all right for a kid that you I mean you didn't learn English it's not like you had some basis for it and then you know thing but he right. seems to be all right but he just he cracks me up because he's fun and he's really really appreciative of what he has uh and he loves being a part of the Bruins and I love that about him he's just happy to be like a kid and he's ex you can tell he's excited he's going to be a dad soon and god talk about a dad party in the box his birthday his kids birthday parties are going to be amazingly fun like cha-chas and pinatas and just like discos and <laughs> and barbie girl that's everywhere <laughs> just kidding that's uh, yeah but did you like, but I know like we, you want to talk a little too, though. Like we love pasta. It was a great interview. Anyways, if you don't listen to spit and chicklets, we don't know why you're not. I mean, if yeah. you're listening to us, you should definitely be listening to yeah. them uh, not to like give them more props than us, but I'm just saying it would be the no, same. I mean, they, they absolutely set the standard of a hockey podcast and what you want in, in, in marketing and everything like that. Mm -hmm. If you want to take a hockey podcast to the absolute top, that's just what you do. So yeah, that was actually one of my favorite parts because it was uh, they also had um, Martin St. Pierre on too was the other half because they haven't been doing the two shows. They've been doing the Full one. Growing, one yeah. show. But when um, Wet was saying how he brought Ryder to the, you know, what I mean? he's like, he seemed to figure out go Bruins. We should be mad if the Capitals yeah. go. Like, that was the cutest story of like just a dad. Like and he's like, and there's yeah. like these pink Whitney ads like, oh, my God, I'm like bringing my kid to the game. My face is everywhere. Like banging it. <laughs> It, that was hilarious just like a dad story of like what ha like i mean ryan Whitney, obviously he's like he did you know he was a hockey player people like you know thing but like now they're like a personality like it's oh, yeah. like a crew of just you well, know no, so now it's, it's not the same level of fame even if you are a kid from massachusetts who was yeah, a high draft well, pick. That's, i was just about <laughs> to say that i mean the whitney's are just i mean that's how born and bred hockey players happen is mm -hmm. uh you grew up here you played here and you have a family here and then the cycle just turns over again. You, you start creating the fan, you get the player and then that's how you just keep going. I mean, bringing it back to Amesbury Maples hockey and the history of my town and so on. That's what happens. It's every older generation was always responsible, whether you liked it or not, was to teach the younger guys to be better and, and, and to adjust to the times of how fast the game is getting. It was still getting faster even back in 1924 to 1930. It was a change right there. So it's just, that's what you got to do to players and, and, and captivate their, their passion for the game. And, you know, and Whitney's just a freaking awesome guy. I mean, and he, I was worried about how, how much of a daddy would be because of how he, how he was in the past and yeah. the stories and the stories he was talking about and the locker room stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, I would not want this guy to be a dad, but you look, <laughs> you hear him, you hear him and the way he talks about it 
and his, and his passion. And now he's a dad and it's freaking awesome. And, and good on him for bringing him to the game. Ryder sounds like he's going to be an amazing kid, probably <laughs> either a freaking awesome hockey player or yeah. a freaking tremendous golfer. I mean, yeah. you have two tutorial views right there from Ryan Whitney. So good on, good on the Whit family, you know, and, and the podcast is doing awesome. And, and I always support those guys but with a big old 32, pink wit all the time so shout out to those guys <laughs> yeah all right so david pasternak though in all serious note we should also talk about um struggles yeah he's struggling a little bit it, you know it, it brings me back and i'm sorry to jump on the lead on this heather i know you you, you set the agenda and so on um but it, it to me it's just like the i use the catalyst of the um the game in Tahoe against the Philadelphia Flyers. He had a hat trick. He looked great. But that was also a game that I just saw signs of struggle. I don't know if it was – was that the time period he changed his skates? I heard he went to Bauer now, and I don't think he was with Bauer before. I'm not sure how everything happened. Was that a, a preseason thing leading up to this year? in this uh, condensed season that he had, that he signed with a new company and he's doing new equipment. His stick's different too, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that, but somebody that I know that does skate blades at work was telling me that it might be the skates because the fact is that he's not used to them and so on. So I don't know. I'm seeing signs of struggle, but you're also seeing signs that everything is going to be okay. And I almost want to bring back to Wayne Simmons and how his hip injury happened that, you know, even though uh, Simmons was able to come back, he was not 100% while he was playing because a hip injury requires a longer uh, path of um, recovery. Uh, you can play on it, but you're not at full recovery. Uh, so and, and to get to full recovery, you would pretty much have to, like, miss a whole season. You know what I mean? And that's not just that's not going to happen. No so, 24 year old is doing that in the prime of their career with their exactly. giant. Yeah. But something's like hindering him, especially on the one time we used to see in that. And he's in the uh, the uh, Ovechkin office, cocked and ready, back scratcher, ready to fire one past the goaltender. And you almost see when he's coming down on the down pressure of the shot, ready for the release, that it, it's a very awkward turn. And it's just like misfiring high glass uh, or just shooting right into the goaltender. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not criticizing. I love the kid. He's a, he's a future star in this Boston uh, area. No doubt about it. And in the league, he's becoming more predominant in this league every day, whether it be the commercials that you talked about in the past and so on. Just getting his name out there for superstardom is just amazing. That's the type of marketing we need is the players like that. And I love to have it in Boston, but I'm just seeing signs of struggle right now. And as we, as we're getting uh, secondary scoring and and so on, and 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 five on five, we're seeing a little bit of that being addressed. This is a player that needs to be on board with that too. So I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking about it, Heather. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple things. I would like to take on the marketing angle about David Pasternak. I think what happened with David Pasternak is like he was already really popular here, right? And he had already started a little bit of Dunks commercials that gave him a little national exposure. But the All-Star game the other year gave him like out-of-region exposure where kind of all the NHL fans fell in love with him because he is fun and he is, you know. So he started transcending just being like a stud on the Bruins to being like, oh, my God, this kid is awesome. Like, people are going to want to be him on NHL 25, you know, whatever. So um, 
I just, I love him on that. I, I do. I think pasta is a player that gets in his own head too. So I think when he does struggle a little, just like a good, I, I know it's a hockey podcast, but baseball is a good analogy for it. When you have a batter who normally can hit, you know, 435 and then they're batting 187. And sometimes that's almost worse. Like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't doubt though, because of the hip injury, if now that we're getting, I don't think it really started as maybe not as far back as Tahoe, but because you see regular bursts of like pasta looking like pasta, but I wouldn't doubt if the hip isn't probably bothering him a little because of the grind of, you know, the top line gets a lot of minutes and, you know, he's got a lot of shots on goal. He has still been getting good amount of assists, but it could very well be, maybe it's just sore. So his mechanics are off, you know, maybe have someone sit down with him and just kind of talk to him. Like, you know, just shake it off, man. Because when he's loose, that's when he does his best work. But right now it's like, so I don't know if it's an actual injury or if maybe because he's feeling a little tired on it or whatever, he's choosing to maybe baby it a little bit because that's what he feels he needs to do. But I definitely think that there's got to be something going on with him, either mentally or physically or both, because you're right. Usually he's like, it's a pasta's office too. Not exactly the same, but right. like that his sweet spot, same thing, kind of just whoosh and go right. and it just doesn't seem like you're right. He's hitting the post. He's hitting right behind the net. He's hitting right into the goaltender's chest. Like, I don't know. I don't know if maybe he doesn't have like a pulled muscle or something in his arm. That's throwing off a shot, but Could be, there's but definitely does, something. Yeah. It does look like something's hindering because you can see the chatter. It's like, you know, what's up with pasta on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And it's like, you know, that makes my antenna go up a little bit. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should start paying attention to his movement, fluidity throughout the zones and so on. And you do see some some different things that are, you know, um, his possessions, puck battles are a little off. It's it, But, I mean, it is a sign of struggle and it's not, it, no, nothing to be, you know, blown up about. But it's just something that we notice and, and hopefully – we can get him to get back on track because when he's on board and this team's on board, I mean, this is a train that's coming right through the freaking tracks and not stopping. Yeah. Um, one thing I was, what was I just going to say? One more thing about Pasternak because I'm sure it'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? He tends to have things come together for him. Uh, but Maybe he should have a maintenance day. Like we're always worried about Kevin Miller, this and that. So it, it, like you said, it makes your antenna go up, but it also makes me think that Bruce Cassidy, if it was an injury thing that maybe he's not hurt, but like could use rest. Right. Why wouldn't they, especially on a three game set against Buffalo, who cares if we take the loss, sit past an act too? just let it be ugly for a game, but give him a couple days off. So that yep. makes me also feel like maybe it's a little more upstairs, just being Sometimes being frustrated about not being able to get the goal in or whatever is, you know, or whatever, throw the touchdown that gets in your head more than the hitting the post or the whatever, you know, like it yep. makes you more tenser. I guess I'm trying to say, I guess he needs a couple beers, a shot and a good <laughs> sleep. Because yeah, also exactly. kid, once your baby's born, you're not going to sleep go out, in the next couple decades. Yeah, if you go out and rip it up, just don't fall and break your ankle. Whatever. You break your ankle. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, we're going to do a couple of banner up. I forgot to put the banner up, but I'm putting this one up. That's boom. Yeah, we're going. Couple random shout outs. Okay. I'm actually going to start with Milan Lucic only because Boston. Um, Milan, we love him. He 
was here eight years, right? The, yes. Give or take. And also uh, he came up with all the boy checks and the Marshawns and the, like that group of uh, kids coming out of Providence up to win some Stanley cups or whatever. Um, so I just wanted to say, Congratulations out loud to former Boston Bruin Milan Lucic. I actually said that I don't normally, everyone always tries to get people's attention. I don't normally do that. But on that day, I did say congratulations, Milan. And he liked it back and that made me happy. And I'm happy that he was happy that someone from Boston was saying, we love you too. Just to let you know, we're not in Calgary with you, but you're on there. Um, And also Jizadeno Chara uh, got added to the list. He just played a 1600 game. Again, the Chara train just keeps Chugging, he might beat Gordy Howe's record and Patrick Marlowe's, but that's the big point I wanted to get to. I know it's just NHL related, but it is a big freaking deal that Patrick Marlowe just passed Gordy Howe on the all-time NHL list. I understand no one will let him just have his moment, right? Because Gordy Howe's sacred and hockey's very weird, like you can't. And I'm not taking, I mean, Gordy Howe's Gordy Howe, but Jesus, people, let Patrick Marlowe be the guy that played the most amount of NHL games because he's yeah. earned it. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Man, if there wasn't any lockouts or any shortened seasons and so on due to labor, um, you know, uh, um, battles, you know, I mean, he could have definitely blown way past this. But, you know, good on him to continue. We'll see what happens with uh, the remainder of the season uh, for Patrick Marlowe. But, good, you know, that's awesome. I mean, he's just, mm-hmm. you know – uh, still staying competitive. I mean, obviously not up to the today's skaters and so on, but you know, still staying competitive enough that he's getting the the looks of a coach and trust, and you know, and, and the veteran keeps going. So um, hopefully, you know, many more games to him uh, on the Milan Lucic. Good on him too. A thousand games for the for this type of game that he plays. Um, I. I was never a huge Milan Lucic fan. I loved him in the like the the first four seasons that he was in Boston. That was a great Luch, and kind of reminds me of a, a player we're going to be talking about right uh, later on, a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, I was a big fan of Milan in his first four seasons. I wasn't so much on the last four because of uh, I don't know if something that was said or just. To, for longevity, he changed his style of game, but it just you could definitely see it. Um, but yeah, and into Dano Chower, obviously that train keeps rolling. Good on him. Uh, I, you know, uh, it, it's unfortunate it didn't happen in Boston, but the the organization wanted to go in a different direction, and I'm 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 still going to die on the hill that I I totally agree with that decision moving forward because, uh, you know. <laughs> I think getting younger, especially on the back end, is is intuitive to to constructing a Stanley Cup uh, team and and one that's going to make a run. And I think that they made uh, some solid additions. If Chara wasn't here, do we see Riley? I don't think so. You know, I, it's just uh, one of those weird things. I was going to say, we also learned the lesson you don't want to get too young too quick, and we've learned that lesson, and that's why we have Mike Riley. But the overall is just Chara's a beast, whether you love him or hate him. Like, that dude is... 43 years old or whatever. Yeah, and 44. He's just a train, 44 and just a train. He really is. Yep. And love that dude. But yeah, him, Luch, like I agree with you. I understand why we had to part ways with Luch. I do love Luch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll never forget the glass shattering kind of Luch. And uh, but I do understand why he did not remain here, but I'm still very happy for him getting that. Um, and good on the boys. And like I said, you can make go tit for tag, Gordy Howe. Like you said, yeah, you're right. Gordy Howe also played wh what are the what are the standards are we only counting nhl games maybe he played 70 games but 
Marlo also, like you said, lost a lot of games that he could have played because he might have another 150 games by now. You know, tip for tip. Who cares? It's just a big – that's a long time to play hockey. Can we all just go, holy crap. Yeah, we want to like Patrick Marlowe didn't play in any of those leagues because Patrick Marlowe got drafted at 17 and went straight to being the namesake of the like San Jose Sharks, you know, and has That's carried true. the face of that team, been one of the faces. I mean, Joe went there after, obviously, from here and, um, you know, there's been many other names, but like Patrick Marlowe, they call him Mr. San Jose Shark for a reason, like as <laughs> San Jose Sharks go, he's he's the he's done the his job. And as hockey fans, shouldn't you just be excited to see history broken? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, good on that. So, okay, that now we'll go back to something that will arc us both. So now that we (laughs) talked about some fun things, yay, good. We love these dudes. Um, Now we're going to do the curious case of uh, Sean Corelli and Charlie Coyle. What is going on with them? What is going on with them? Um, We they've not been this week. To be fair, this week both of them had a better week, but I'm. Although I respect and like both players, I'm going to need to bounce you. Like, I'm going to need Frederick back in there if you're going to continue on this. I don't have an issue if Lazar's in there. I don't know. So you go ahead. I know that especially Charlie Coyle, this is a trigger for you. Especially Charlie Coyle on the right side, so at least he hasn't played there. Listen, Charlie brings a freaking steady game, and that's his style. But, you know, to get – I don't know. To get to where we want to be as fans, and that's champions – you got to have it all by committee. And if you have the top line scoring, you're the second line scoring and you complement that by a third line that's strong, but also point productive. That mm-hmm. is lethal, man. I mean, just, it's, it's just, we just, I just want to see him get on board. I I've seen the struggles when you're looking at the past, you look at his stats and his game logs. He did the same thing in Minnesota. Totally. You know, I understand that he goes through long stretches when he struggles to get a goal. Or even points at that point at that matter, but still, it's just man. Once you get him going, and that he drives that line, I think he already has them both. Whoever's on that line with him um, reads a very puck possessive game, hard on pucks and so on. But if we can just get Charlie, the leader of that line, on board with with scoring goals and making making better plays, obviously. Maybe we'll see a spark from his line mates and then just, I mean, when things are happening good, things follow good. You know, everything is in layers. When you everything's progressing the right way, man, watch out. And I just want to see him get on board with that. I'm not shitting on him and so on. Like so many people think I do. I just see signs of struggles and it's like, well, what's going on? What can we do to fix it? And um, what adjustments do we have to make? And I don't want to see him be that David Krejci, air quote type of player, where we have to now consider him a revolving door for a white right wing or a left winger or whatever. You know, it's just um, Corrali to me turnover. The turnovers are, are he, he uses his speed effective, but I think his feet are moving too faster than his hands. Sometimes he tries too much, and it, I'm all just remember his first couple of years when he came into the league right out of Providence, traded from San Jose in the Martin Jones thing came here. I, I didn't know much about him, started to learn about him, watching him in Providence and so on, then make his way to the NHL level. His first two years, I was so impressed with this guy. I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is really good. You need this in a, in a third or fourth line type of role player. But lately the past two seasons, he's been a shadow of, of, of what he came into the league in. And 
I'd like to see him get a little better, but I'm also at the point with, with Corrali that he's playing. And there's, I think that, you know, that that could be a, an opportunity for Frederick to get in there and start doing some things, going down the line to the playoffs, getting him some games, whether he plays in the playoffs or not, let's get him involved um, in case he's needed. But, you know, if you're going to be sitting everybody else, maybe Sean needs a, a extended stay like freaking Wagner had six games. I would certainly do that and, and give Freddie something or, um, you know, and I'm, I'm still on board that if, um, if Corrales, uh, Corrales probably not going to be here next season. And I think oh, that okay. somebody like uh, Oscar Steen can easily fit right in. Just that's his style. Uh, I w- so first I'll do coil. Uh, congratulations. He scored his 300th career yes, point congrats. on an assist on Nicky's, yeah. uh, uh assi- R- Nick Richie's. I just said Nicky's instead of yeah, Nick Richie's. <laughs> Nicky Richie's, whatever on his goal the other night on Thursday. So congratulations on that. There's a tale of two Charlie Coyles. I like Charlie Coyle. I was like, I'm not, when he came here, you were kind of like, fucking Charlie Coyle. Like this is what we did. Like, and I understand because I have that reaction nearly every trade deadline, except for for April 12, 2021, when I woke up and I literally had my GM win the trade lottery in my heart and what my team needed. Uh, That being said, there's a tale of two Charlie Coyles. There's Charlie Coyle in Minnesota, and there's Charlie Coyle in Boston. And the problem right now is why he looks like Charlie Coyle in Minnesota to you is because normally, even if he's not scoring goals or getting points, he's still driving the line. He's still bringing the energy. He's still getting everyone around him going, and he can't seem to do that right now. Corrali, I don't know if maybe a little bit's the COVID thing, maybe, you know what I mean? Like this year, but you are right. He has not been the Sean Corrali since he got his re-signing. And last year was definitely bad, uh, way before COVID, the whole situation happened. Like we had talked about Sean Corrali, what the hell is going on? Because we love you and we vote, we root for you because you are good when you're on. You guys are a grind, fourth line. Anybody they put on that fourth line with Sean Corrali in the last five seasons or whatever, four seasons have been brilliant. Like what, you know, and we also don't have Nordstrom anymore and other things that also helped that end. Um, I think both of them are candidates for sitting their asses down. That's fine. Like, so if Frederick is healthy, we haven't talked about him. We will in a minute. I'll let you go on a Trent Frederick moment and then I will react. But if Frederick is healthy and so, and we have Lazar, I don't have an issue if both their asses get benched for a couple games because what's good for Chris Wagner who generally does exactly what you pay him to do. Chris Wagner is not the player you worry about day in and day out if he's doing Chris Wagner things. He is. That's what he does. That's why you pay him not that much, but enough that his cat, he knows what he is. He knows what his strengths are. And generally he produces for you in that manner. Right. But if it's good for him, if it's good for Jake DeBrusque, missed, you move him around all the time. Like not all of Jake DeBrusque's struggles is only on Jake DeBrusque. Some of right. that also has to do with being asked to do so much as a young player for his first four seasons. Bouncing around the lineup, left him. side, right side. What the, yeah. you know? Exactly. So, I mean, that's not an excuse because DeBrusque is moving into his veteran year years yeah. and everything like He's that. He's also but, young and be accountable too. Right. So I, I agree with that, but I also think not all of it is his fault because his expectations have always been changing, always and forever on some level in the last, since his, he started. But again, these two, if we have to bench both the third and fourth line centers and find out new third and fourth line centers for a little bit to either send a message or maybe give them a break, like maybe Corrali, it is after effect of COVID. Good. Let him sit for a little bit. 
take the pressure off him. Don't make him feel like he has to, you know, cause then, like you said, then you get in your own head, like, Holy, if we know that they're not playing well. And I always say this too, this is why I hate like getting on players unless they really deserve it. If we know that they're not playing well, you think like Tuca doesn't know he had a bad game or Sean Corrales yeah. isn't like, what the fuck is wrong yeah, with him? Like, yeah, they know. <laughs> you think Charlie Coyle isn't in there like, I can't. Uh, they know. So that's why I try to be kind when I get on people. But like I said, both of them at this point's asses can get sit down for the next, the last six games of the season. And we'll see in the playoffs because we're going to need you. And if you can't figure it out, if I have two other healthy centers to do that for us, great. If we got to mix it up a little bit that way. So. Right. I will let you, I'm looking at the, I'm going to time you, you get exactly, you have about 27 minutes to do a Trent Frederick talk. No, no, here. no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not no, going to no, It's just, I'll um, I think he, I think he needs to get back in the lineup. Um, I think that's the type of game that, um, uh, I am going on something that I used to be so negative about, but I see his style game and I see what people see in that type of grinding style of game and know how important it is in the playoffs. Um, I just, I, I, I wish he would get more, a little more confidence from Bruce to get in the lineup and prove what he can actually do. Uh, this has been a long stretch and, you know, this is, it's a serious uh, Bruce Cassidy dog house stuff here. I don't know what's going on. I understand he was sick and he, you know, wasn't unable to practice and, and, and that, but I uh, wish I was a fly on the wall to understand what's going on there because I, I see high value in Trent uh, just by the way he came into this, into the NHL this season came in and he, you know, is yes, he was aggressive. Uh, he was doing some bad things and some good things, but this is, this is new to him. It's a new level and so on. And and I think he addresses a couple of needs that you have, that you currently lack. And, um, and when I want to see him more in the lineup, regardless of what others out there are saying that, you know, basically he's trash and he doesn't belong and there's no future. And he's a, basically a fourth line player. Well, whatever. I mean, he might be that, but still he's got potential to rise up the lineup I mean, we, we've seen him play with freaking uh, Marchand and Bergeron. There's a nice little sample size right there. He had a freaking awesome game. Very, you know, he read the ice well and so on. But people don't see that because he only played that one game and got that trust on that one day. And it, there's no consistency with him because he's bouncing around the lineup all the freaking time. He's either a third line player, fourth line player, a center, or or a left winger. So um, he's the new Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, the jury's not out on freaking on uh, Trent Frederick for me. Other uh, other people out there in Twitter land and and social media seem to believe that he's just a trash and, and doesn't deserve it. I think he deserves a spot over Sean Corrali, and I think he deserves a spot over Anton Bleed. Look into my eyes. You know my opinion is the right one because I like being right. <laughs> and as someone who's not, uh, I you would we agree? I'm like. I'm sitting around trying to figure out what you love about Trent Frederick so much. But then again, I'm doing that with all, I do that with all young kids with their first year trying to see. So he's played well and he's done what he was supposed to do. I'm confused about, first of all, we don't know what he was sick with, right? So maybe he hasn't been cleared to play and that's part of the problem. We don't know right. because we don't really know what was going on with that. Right. We just know it wasn't COVID. Um, we don't know. I mean, hopefully something more serious isn't going on and the team's just trying to keep it mulled for now. 
Um, but it would seem to me that if he was a, ob I would like to see him at center for a few games only because you tout him as his natural position. And I mean, you know, obviously I haven't seen him as much play. He's right. mostly been playing wings so since he's, he's been up. He's killer in the faceoff. Killer yeah, so in the faceoff. He's been mostly on wing since he came yeah. up. So, okay. So just from my point of view, not as I love you, Trent Frederick, but just as a, just like with Nick Ritchie, I don't give a shit if I like you or not, as long as you're doing your job and functioning, you know what I mean? Right. It seems weird. That wouldn't be an option. Just like sitting Pasternak like maybe it would if he needed a day off it doesn't make sense to not do that now God. and let everyone rest or heal fan um, base so, would be in an uproar <laughs> right but that's the whole thing is this is the same fan base that three and a half weeks ago Trent Frederick was their new goddamn god with the Pope holding up the thing meme you know so as someone who's kind of neutral on the whole Trent Frederick thing given my whole thing is given the way that the Corrali and Coyle have been playing. It seems weird if he was medically cleared to play because he's not playing in Providence either, right? No, he's on. He's, yeah, he's, probably, so he's, he's not like, playing. He's like on the taxi squad and so on. Yeah, but he's not playing yeah. anywhere currently. So I don't really. I mean, he skated or whatever, right? But not. He's not like yeah, in he's, full he's practicing practice. and so on. It's just and he hadn't done lineup. it. Yeah, and I guess my other thing is I'm not sure why Bruce Cassidy, if it is because the coach is mad at him, I don't remember him doing anything that would get the coach this mad at him. So kind of seems to me maybe it is more something to do with the health thing that's so, going on. Yeah, yeah. And some rookie mistakes happen, you know. Mm -hmm. they, it, it is what it is. It's just the kid's freaking new to the league. Some people just don't get like to give anybody a chance. Okay, well, these are a couple quick topics I think we can get through. Uh, yeah, we're going to blast these. Oh no, we're good. But these are this is more. I know we always talk about Marshawn and Bergeron, right? Uh, because they're awesome. Okay. So this is just a couple quick things. We don't have to get in too long, just a minute or two. Um, are they the best duo in Bruins history? I I'm just think saying so. they're really good at shorthanded goals, they're really good at power play goals, they're really good at literally carrying a team on their back for production as necessary. Yeah. Numbers Numbers aside, uh, the, the chemistry that they both have is is second to none, in my opinion. I mean, we've seen some really good chemistry with with the way um, uh, forwards like Phil Esposito work and, and a line mate uh, from him, Bronco Horvath or, or anybody like that. It's just those guys, um, they, they, uh, it's, it's almost like they were born twins. They just know what each other's going to freaking do. And it's amazing to see. And I, I'm, I'm going to, that's something, that's a duo that I am going to miss um, when that, that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think you'll ever see that again in such a, uh, a great time frame. Both have great careers work their way up from the ground up and, and really just <laughs> really made this uh, Boston Bruins team turn around uh, when it comes to um, uh, being a champion and building every year to be a champion and not in those down years when we were just like staying together and plugging pieces just to have an organization because you wanted a successful business. Mm -hmm. This is now a, a place that players want to go and, and they want to win here. And I think that, you know, players like Marshan and Bergeron and what they've passed down to the younger generation we're seeing right now has been absolutely amazing. So um, good on them. Yeah. I, it's so hard to say that they're the best just because there have been so many great duo. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. hard, like better than the Kraut line, like, you know, whatever yeah. kind of thing. But I think that all day long, the, you could drop these two in any incarnation of the NHL and the Boston Bruins, and yeah. they would be the superstar top, like, 
like you said, it's like one of them was born in Nova Scotia and one of them was born in, you yep. know, Quebec, Quebec, but, and they, I just, and the accolades on both of them, Heather, you know, anytime a Canadian national tournament happens mm-hmm. and they're eligible to play, they're involved. I mean, yeah. Bergeron might be in the first line uh, with, with Crosby and McKinnon, whatever. And, yeah. and, and Marchand might be a fourth liner, but they're still involved in that team. They have yeah. high, high respects for, for players and, and what they do uh, and the impacts. The impacts are the biggest thing that uh, a national team could ever freaking want. I was going to say, that's one of the things that I just wanted to bring up. And we don't get a vote, obviously, but um, it bothers me that Brad Marchand is not seriously, seriously considered for the heart trophy. Like he should be with McKinnon and other. I know it's hard sometimes when there are other people yeah. around you, you know, like it's hard to step out of Bergeron's shadow. He's can Bergeron, right? Like, and not that Bergeron's trying to stand in his way kind of thing, but like you said, I mean, just the ideal that their two numbers together equals a hundred, just is ridiculous. Okay. It's yeah. like, what's that kismet or whatever they say. Um, he, like you just said, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't play on the fourth line because in the Olympics when they won the gold medal, him, Marshawn, and Bergeron were playing on a line. So it's insane to me that if we're going to continue to talk about Sidney Crosby, which whatever, whether you're I'm not a Sydney, but like Sidney Crosby, Sidney fucking Crosby, right? Like yeah. I mean, it's a, you don't even have to discuss it. You know what I mean? Um, just I hadn't said it all the time. I just wanted to say it. You've said <laughs> it several so, times. Don't cut yourself. Whatever. Short. Okay. So it is ridiculous to me. Brad Marchand all day long is instrumental to the Bruins' success. Him and Bergeron, and again, Char and all of the people along the way, but they represent what the new Big Bad Bruins was. That yep. 2011 team. That's what the world we still live in is that kind of core. Well, the they carry the torch. Uh, all, I mean, even the 70s Big Bad Bruins. They weren't just big and bad because they would beat the living hell out. Literally, literally beat yeah, the hell out Yeah, they had 12 you. players on that freaking team a certain year with, like, Johnny Winsick. They yeah. all had 20-goal years. Yeah, And they exactly. were still putting up, like, 300 penalty minutes a year, too. <laughs> That's what made you big and bad, right? Yeah, exactly. You put your ass in the box for beating <laughs> someone's ass for a long time, and you put up. 30 goals, 25 goals, whatever. Like the numbers are ridiculous. 71 goals. Hello, let's slow down there. Just saying. So uh, anyway, I just want to say that it drives me insane that Brad Marchand is not in the top three names necessarily. He's heart worthy in my opinion. Yeah. The the point, the point production, the, the, the work ethic and his leadership, even though people don't think him as much of a leader, he's a leader. I, I believe so in that. Yeah, I think he's a valued freaking person in that locker room and a valued voice right behind Bergeron. And let's be honest, okay? If we're coming to the, you know, obviously Marshawn is our rat king, as people call him. But he's changed his game. And it's not like a Tom Wilson who just won't learn. No, still, plays, like still plays on the line, but you know what? Hasn't but got suspended in a while. Marshawn never tried to take a career out. Marshawn did gross things like lick you or douchebag things like hack you in yes. the nuts. God, never like intend to injure, never like clip the knee, never board your head against the wall. So I will say as like that kind of player goes, has all this talent, but somehow like a Vandekamp, whoever like plays that side of the line for some reason, Marshawn has stayed on the line mostly, right? right? Not as egregious. You can tell when he's getting frustrated, he gets a little more like, okay, fine, I'll just scoop everybody who skates by me or whatever but all right so that's all that Speaking on Marshall and Marshall. they're Speaking awesome of that. yeah 
<laughs> yes. This is just a quick 30 second. 48 penalty minutes. 48 penalty minutes. Clifton, four minutes. Lazar, four minutes. Lazar, four minutes. Clifton, four more minutes. Mike Riley, two minutes. Tenorti, two minutes. That was just on Sunday versus the Caps. Shall I go? 48 penalty minutes. I would say about... 10 of those were unwarranted, but overall you'd like, again, Connor Clifton, I don't want you to be my dad, but four minutes, two, eight minutes. Cause yeah. two major high stickings. What in the actual, mm. so go ahead, you, Mark. How about you, you in the penalty box? You, this Boston Bruins team might be the best penalty killing team in the national hockey league, but damn, man, you guys are really riding that fine line of, uh, of, uh, of reality. Um, because other teams are just gunning for you to fail. And this is the absolute time that you don't want to do it. You don't want to, um, you don't want to give up shorthanded goals or anything like that, but you, I have to commend them for doing so good, but let's not get in those positions that you have to be that way. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. We got to tune that down. This is like I said before in the, in the program, how the, um, this is like a preseason leading up to the postseason. These are the times you need to adjust your game and find out. I, I know the postseason is a different style. I know it's officiated differently, which is totally unfair. You you write a rule book. Let's stick by through it uh, completely, you know, whether it be 82 games or 100 with the extended playoffs. Keep the same, but still, let's stay out of the box because that is what can make or break a playoff season. If you get uh, habitually offended by, by these, I don't know, un calls whether they're egregious or not, just it needs to stop. You need to start fine fine tuning the game to uh, to be better better prepared for five on five style when when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, my only comment before we move on because we are. You know, we still have a few more things to do, and I don't want to. I'll just get pissed if I start dwelling on it too much. But right. remember, just because your PK units are awesome doesn't mean you don't need to have Mar if you're gonna have Marshawn and Bergeron playing the PK and the PP and the everything in between CC KFC. Like I swear, like they do everything <laughs> again. Like we just said, you cannot have them out there for 14 extra minutes of right. well you figure seven minutes say each of that's wasting their energy their like necessity it's just don't stupid Blech, moving on um you and i this can be a quick topic unlike the twitter meltdown over the seventh player award i like to preface this by a couple things kind one i think the seventh player award is important because i like think it is important you. for the fans to vote but there are two sides of the fan token there are fans who i think mark and i are these kind of fans we want to give it to, and I'm just going to give the definition because Maria of Watertown would want me to make sure everyone knows the definition of this. Shout is, out, Maria. Yes, Maria. Player who has played above and beyond expectations. Players who worked hard every day in and out for the good of the team without expectation, exception, sorry, to be recognized or expectation to be recognized. This is why I had mentioned Steve Camper, who I did not vote for, but he is the type of player. You're right. He has not played a full season, but this season he's been asked to play a majority more than he would. You know what I mean? He's been more of a consistent in the lineup player out of necessity because of injuries and whatnot. And as always, so he's an example. Um, that is the definition. Now we have two camps. For example, oh, can I just get into, let's see, what do we have? 25 people, Carlo, Grizzly, Frederick, 
uh, Halak, Clifton, Camphor, Lozon, Miller, Richie, Seneshin, Steen, Tenorti, Zaboral, Lazar, Riley, Swayman. Holy fuck. First of all, Riley and Lazar have to be out. They just got here. We can't put you in there. Okay. Obviously, I we get, uh... have an expectation. Um, half of you can be eliminated. Obviously, Carlo isn't hasn't even played. It's not his fault, but how can he even be nominated for this award? You just released the fan voting. Why is he on this? Let's be honest. There's only a handful that should be on this list. Frederick, check. Lauzon, check. Camper, just because he has played a lot more than you. You know, whatever. Richie, maybe Zaboral, and Tenorti. Everybody else shouldn't even be on. I can just half this ballot right now. By definition, half of you are over there. Either you haven't played enough or you're not playing. Like Kevin Miller, I'll say it out loud. I finally am going to get on the Kevin Miller thing. It is not playing above and beyond expectations simply because a player was injured for two and a half years. Your expectation can't be zero as a baseline. Yeah, that's, that's the Masterton uh, trophy. The that's we, exactly. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. We said this, right? I'm not a yeah. Kevin Miller person, but I'd be more than happy for him to win that Masterson trophy Absolutely. this year. Perseverance, all of what he's been it. through. He was nominated last year, I think. Or we yep. said he should have, he would have been nominated because he was just about to be able to escape but right. never really got to. Right. So this year, I am all in for that dude winning that fucking award, sure. even for the 10. But I sure. am not giving you the seventh player award because the fans love you and miss you because you actually played the 30 games that you should have played this year. You know, like they yeah. literally gave you the most cushy contract built in that there was barely any way barring major injury this season. And thank God that a major injury hasn't happened to that dude. Cause I don't necessarily want him to be my defenseman, but I also want him to be a functioning human being. Um, you don't get rewarded. It's like giving someone a sticker for like, Hey, you did your job today. Here's a sticker. And every now and then a little boost like that's good. That's what signing right. bonuses are for. But like, dude, you only had to play 10 games out of 56 yeah. to make $2 million basically. Yeah. Or 15 or whatever it was. 200 grand. So I'm sorry to all the Kevin Miller lovers. Not okay. He should not be up for this so, award. So for me, for me, it's talking about um the seventh player award. It's gotta be Nick Ritchie because he for me he's the biggest turnaround. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, coming into last season, a, a new Bruin didn't know the system, and I gave him a hard time this year, eating my words, and I'm I'm brining shoe. So shoe's on the menu um at the end of the year. And um and for the popular vote, because he's an absolute man rocket, it's it's probably going to be heavily voted on uh, because it's a popularity contest. And and it, um, I think uh, Craig Smith, Craig Smith will probably walk away with it because yeah, he's been good too. Uh, he's been uh, you know signed a little bit of a struggle, but worked his way out of his struggles to be a real consistent player coming down the stretch here. And and that's what you need. You need that when you go into the postseason and that secondary scoring is to have a player like that going and the way he shoots from pretty much any freaking angle. Let's get him rolling. Absolutely. So, I mean, those are my top two right there. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of people out there that think that Jeremy Swayman should get it just for the limited amount of time he's, five he's games. had. I don't think so. I, I think that if you look at the, the way the award is structured and said, uh, even that list has a lot of players that I don't believe that should have been on it. I believe that this probably should have been seven out of seven legitimate ones that you can you could pick up pick from, and not just these guys that are just coming in and just showing the fan base that they're they're here and could be for the future. We want to see on this award and the way it's dictated is 
what you're doing all season here and uh, not just a plug and play. So yeah, those are my two. Um, I definitely just to wrap this up real quick, cause we could go down the rabbit hole on this award, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely could have half. When service. is it being given away? Uh, I don't know. Probably we'll, we'll look into it. It's because usually we, right around. We could talk about this last. leading right up to it. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll we'll listen to what people are saying on Twitter. Maybe we'll do a bunch of polls and we'll put our numbers together and do a little yeah. topic on it. Absolutely. Um, my thing is that by definition, and I will not eat my shoe because I do not still like Nick Ritchie and Nick Ritchie had his shiny moments. Then he kind of disappeared for a little bit, but this week seems to be picking back up to everyone's favorite big dick, Nick, you know, whatever. <laughs> but as I said on Twitter, so no one can say I didn't say it. And that's why I'm, th- I'm not eating my, cause again, I, it's still one season. It's still a weird season. I have also seen the, some things from him are the things that I don't like about Richie, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt, but I will give him my seventh player award. It was either him or Steve camper for me. Okay. And maybe your boy Freddie, but I'm more like, I think again, camper just maybe that is a sympathy, not a sympathy vote, but like a voting with your heart only because he grinds for this organization for like a decade. And I just, right. and cause he has played a significant more games in actually the lineup there, but Nick Ritchie is the only correct answer for the seventh player award. Yeah. I'm just saying like, and yeah. I, you know how I feel about Richie. So if I said it, it's true. So now everyone go change your vote <laughs> to Nick Ritchie. Cause if him, Frederick, or who was the other person I said, who was acceptable on this list. Oh, um, I do shit. have to say That's though, I, I would, would give a silent vote to Matt Grizzlick. Cause I think even still people struggle to understand how much better he makes your team. In his yeah. little ways. So, but I wouldn't, I, I, all day long, it's Richie. All right, let's move on real quick. We don't have to really discuss this mostly because we're playing Buffalo again, two more games this week, but we're going to be playing uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we're trying to get to in approximately a half an hour, 45 minutes or so, depending on when NBC starts. But on Tuesday as well, the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, the Penguins are currently second in the East. They're five points ahead of us. They have on a three-game win streak. And what was their record at home? Let me see what I had. 19-3-2 and two at home. So mm, hopefully we play better than we did on Friday uh, versus. So any comments on playing Pittsburgh? Now shit's getting real with playing Pittsburgh instead of. Yeah. Hopefully, they, hopefully they come with a game. Jeremy Swayman's starting today. We'll figure out if uh, Patrice Bergeron's going to be in the lineup. He missed the last game uh, of a back-to-back against Buffalo. So. Um, we'll see what's going on with that. Hopefully that's a game time decision. He'll get out there for free game skate and try to get in. Uh, I thought if not, I saw he wasn't in. Okay. I didn't, I didn't see that. So, uh, it hasn't been reported yet by, I haven't checked actually. So, yeah. um, yeah. All right. So Pittsburgh shit's getting real. They've been playing on, but they also have Malkins out. Like they have some things going on with them too. So either way. Um, so and then we play Buffalo again, goody, goody gumdrops Thursday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 1 p.m. for another matinee game. I don't think we have to discuss Buffalo, mainly because we played them three times this week and we've already discussed Buffalo. They're a dumpster fire that's looking like maybe someone's extinguishing the fire a little bit. Also, now we have Taylor Hall, so who cares? Okay, we're moving on. We need to be Pittsburgh. Like, this is how we yeah, jockey yeah, position. Exactly. We need to be Buffalo, too, but, like, for our own egos, we need to this be is, Pittsburgh. This is going to be a playoff team. You got to freaking do yeah. it. Exactly. So real quick, let's just look at the division as of today. We're going to not maybe do this as long as we would have originally just for time purposes, because I know we're both looking at the clock and we want to the games coming on. You know how it is, my friends. We're just trying to get this for you. Uh, But 
so we're looking at the division. Okay. So right now we've played 46 games because we haven't played yet today. We've got 27 wins, 13 losses, six and OT and 60 points. So we're like six points or something like that behind Washington or something, but five points behind Pittsburgh. And we do have a good lead on the fifth place, which is so basically what we thought would happen is that the Islanders, the Bruins, the Penguins, and Washington are going to be the top four. But right now it is still a big toss up of exactly how we're all going to land. I thought right. next week it'd be fun. I wrote down our predictions at the beginning of the season. I thought next week going into the last week, you know, five or six games of the season, we could look at what our predictions were and see if we we're going to keep them. I was inspired by the mass singer. What was our first guess? Let's see if we stick with them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're, yeah, so we're fourth. We're 14 points ahead of the Rangers. That's what I wrote down, you know, um, we have two games versus Jersey, two games versus the Rangers, a game versus the Islanders, and a game versus Washington after this week's games that we just discussed. So that will be our last week of regular season. We don't know exactly, you know, with who knows what things might change a little bit on that. But kind of light, kind of heavy, right? Kind of concerning, right? Can we beat the Islanders again in Washington again? Will we play down to New Jersey? What will happen? Also all road games. So the seventh player, I would actually guess, will probably be given out at the last home game of the season. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. So that's kind of where we look up, I guess, just real quick. Uh, I just am wondering where you think we're going to end. Like what, who's your ideal matchup? Just kind of a little thoughts on how you think this division is going to play out. Man, if the Bruins keep going the way they've been going, I know that was a tough loss against Buffalo, and they should definitely recover today with a day of rest. Um, and, and hopefully they go on another train. I mean, there's only 14 games remaining in the season. There's a lot of potential to earn more points and climb the standings a little further up for that comfort zone where you're not just on that borderline of, of making or breaking it in the playoffs on the, at, sitting at the fourth position currently in the Mass Mutual uh, division. So uh, it's just, you just got to go out and play every game that it's like your last, like you're, you're not going to make the playoffs and just, you know, push yourself to a point that you guys need to be. Um, and, and I, I just look at that Buffalo effort and I was just like, wow, you know, I mean, you need a 60 minute effort in not just a five minute. Okay. So. Yeah, we're 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 gonna at least be in fourth. Like this, it's gonna be hard for anyone to bump us out of the playoff picture at this point. But how we line up for that first round, I just—it's hard to say. I still have—I still don't like us versus the Islanders, even though yeah. we beat them those two games. That could be partly post-trade high. That could be, you know, a lot of factors. Um, I don't know. So this next topic, I think, is. Um, we can do a little more intensely again. I know you don't really like lineup lineups, but maybe just for the sake of time, as we're wrapping up, it, we'll get into this more in depth, maybe next week or the, yeah, the we should week do this one now. next week. Heather. Right. So I, but right now I just want you to quickly tell me, I want you to give me one, one skip the goaltenders, but give me one forward and one defenseman that you don't want in this lineup right now. Um, uh, not who you want, not who you want. But you coil, I'm guessing you're going to say coil for you. No, friend. because you need him. Um, oh, Corrali. Corrali. Don't put okay. Corrali in and a defenseman. Um, shit. All right. Uh, yeah, we got to do this right. some other time. That's we don't fine. have time. Yeah, right. I definitely uh, don't quickly need mention, Quickly mention life. this one before we get going. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Boston Pride named 
Colleen Coyne, Falmouth, Massachusetts native, UNH alum, two-time Olympian, including gold medalist in Japan in 1998. She is American hockey elite. She's in the Hockey Hall of Fame with the the women's team from two, uh, 1998. She's been on the executive board of USA Hockey, and she is now the new team president of the Boston Pride. Welcome home, Colleen Coyne. She's been a big advocate, you know, of all that. She's helped uh, with all this... Um, you know, as we've done the ADM model in USA hockey has changed over the last 15, you know, years or whatever. Uh, but welcome home. That's all I have to say. She's Olympian. Yeah, if you don't know who no, she is, you can Google who she is. It's awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome that uh, she's involved uh, with the team president. Um, and uh, the, the Boston Pride is just a, a, a great organization. Um, the um, Isabel Cup champions. They are a huge threat no matter what uh, league or, or organi- organization they're involved in. Um, yeah, it, it just it's really good to see what they're doing uh, as they build forward, move forward. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, Sammy Davis is the future. Let's build around her and, and keep this train rolling because women's hockey is just getting so much more involved in popularity. Um, and it's great to see, and and I really hope that sooner or later the NHL teams they fully get back on and get like you know let's have a let's have a traveling team um, you know both organizations share a flight to Detroit. You play Detroit, the Bruins play Detroit. You fly all the way around yeah, and use use the NHL that. schedule. Yeah, all we right. talked about that. Okay, so just real quick, speaking how awesome the girls are. Uh, so on the twenty eighth on a special Twitch live stream. The NWHL awards are going to be given out. And so you do have to say uh, captains, Jill Dempsey, uh, Kaylee Fratklin and uh, Christina Putina are all up for the MVP, most valuable player. Uh, we got Lovisa Salander, our goaltenders up for goaltender of the year. Sammy Davis, as you mentioned, she's up for newcomer of the year, which is, you know, whatever they're the Calder equivalent for them. Yep. And also uh, Fratklin, uh, Frat. Can, and sorry, that came out weird. And uh, Solitius, I always say her name wrong. Mallory is, they're all up for Defender of the Year too. And also they have a Dina Lang Award, which exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication, a former Boston Pride member herself. Uh, we talked about her, you know, in the uh, spinal cord injuries, uh, but Jill Dempsey's also up for that award. So anyways, I'm sure we'll give you an update how the girls do, but that's how awesome they are. We have three players up for MVP. Isabel Cup, yep. the hottest team in town. If you're not, I'm going to exactly. get myself a pride scarf on from Mother's Day from the Warrior. I'm getting the jersey. I like. I love the freaking that 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 uh, tiger jersey. That's amazing. And that um, black, that black thirds are freaking awesome. Oh my god, I love the black ones. I want, I want one. I love it. So I'm gonna get myself a scarf, though. You know how I love my scarf. So yeah. All right, as we wrap, just one more thing. Uh, last agenda item. Just congratulations to Mark Stewart, who's probably getting named to uh, Colorado, Colorado College. Yes. Um, John Booker, John Butchergrass uh, mentioned on Twitter that Colorado College is interested or have signed a former Boston Bruins defenseman Mark Stewart. Um, to a deal to be the assistant coach of his alma mater at Colorado College. Uh, mm-hmm. Previously, he was with the uh, UMaine um, Black Bears. Uh, no, the uh, University of um, Vermont Catamounts as a mm-hmm. volunteer on the on the bench as a um, as a 
uh, coach. So uh, good on him to continue the, the dream of still keeping hockey involved on a daily basis, but also uh, bringing his experiences uh, from the college level to the minor pro to the uh, NHL down to um, uh, players on the bench in front of him and in practices and, and being that uh, stable person to go to for advice. So uh, congratulations to Mark Stewart, former Boston Bruins defenseman. All right. Like you said, people, longevity, passing their knowledge and longevity yeah, down. To I, I'm a huge fan of that stuff, man. Yeah, I, I so am. It's just, it's just great to see everybody getting involved and keeping the game and you know, keeping the veins, keeping the freaking veins going on the on the whole hockey thing, and then just providing all that knowledge that they learned down to the next uh, generation. It's just, uh, it's a great, nice filtration of uh, of prosperous uh, that's not even a freaking word so but anyway I'm, I'm a little bit up against it so um i do want to say heather thank you mm-hmm. so much welcome back it was awesome uh nice to be week. back yeah so we'll, we'll be doing uh this uh on the weekly from now on mm-hmm. um uh i do want to mention that we do have a patreon account let me get rid of this real quick and bring that up as uh we get out of here but if you could please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate $1 per one of these episodes, this black and gold hockey, uh, hockey podcast episode. Uh, you will be involved in a weekly giveaway, which we give away a Bruins related item from like fanatics or some of our own gear. This is a fanatic shirt right here. It's pretty badass, uh, representing Massachusetts and the United States, uh, country first politics suck. Um, but anyway, uh, if you donate $1, you only an investment of like $4 a month, maybe $6 at the most. And but what you do is you get involved in the in the in the giveaways like this, a hat or um, a signed puck. But we also get you involved in our monthly giveaways, which is a hand-signed jersey. Every time it's a hand-signed jersey at the middle of the month, wherever our show lands at the middle of the month. If you donate, you're involved in that too. And we have jerseys that we're going to be giving away out to uh, Jan- uh, January 2022, and this is like just a picture of what we have uh, coming up. Really good hand signed stuff, all fully authenticated. Said that wrong. Fumble. Authenticated. Yeah, and uh, you know, this, I mean, just look at the names: uh, current players, former players. Awesome stuff. So, please get yeah, involved in that. We certainly appreciate it. Um, but anyway, Heather, again, thank you so much. You're, you're the yeah. best. Can't wait to get back and talk about this, this week's action. Hopefully, they beat the shit out of Pittsburgh today, and the and and the rest of the games this week, so we can talk have something to talk about next week. But um, anyway, I'm going to get ready because I got about 12 yeah. minutes to get to yeah, no. the Bruins play Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing, uh, participating. Um, the support has been amazing. With you us. guys are absolutely awesome. Thank you for bearing with us in a short time away. We are back. We're happy. We're all good and ready to go. Let's go Bruins. Let's freaking do this. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated and yeah. do what's right. Do what's right. to Let's let's get back to normalcy, but we got to do it as a group. Herd immunity, whatever we got to do. All these yeah. names are fun. So uh, <laughs> we will talk soon. Uh, <laughs> this has been fun. This has been a real good time and so on. But uh, love you guys. Take care. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.